Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode, as many of the episodes are, I, I really looked forward to. We had a, an absolute blast, as you've seen from the title of the of the podcast. I'm talking to Squatter for nearly like a, some two hours plus. And um, really, really, really enjoyed this one. I hope you do too. And just before we, we, we get into it, I, I I was talking to a friend of mine about um, about podcasting and, and things like that. And and he wanted to get into it and, and do that type of thing. He wants to do something with regards to kind of sports and, and that type of thing. And, and in, in his case, in his case, football. And there was so much uh, sort of prerequisite that the, 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 the people seem to think that they can have. And there's all this kind of whole sort of world that you that you meant to set up. You meant to have these crazy social medias and, and all this type of thing. And it almost became this impossible mountain for him to start that, that process of, of just doing a podcast. And the, the truth of the matter is it's very, it's very easy. You know, a microphone, a, a laptop, even a phone. I've done interviews on the... On the road with just a phone, have come out absolutely fine. But I wanted the thing I really kind of wanted to get across to to maybe the people listening. Not that I'm in any position to give advice about anything, about any kind of, you know, how to present yourself or how to do this or anything like that. I say kind of all the time. I say am a lot. Many would argue I just don't have a voice uh, for, for this type of thing. But that wasn't why I started. I started because I like talking about metal and music and it's powerful things that come from it. I like talking to my friends about that type of thing. I have friends within the business and I think who give interesting insights to their life and uh, and, that, and that kind of thing, you know. And I, I thought that people would enjoy listening to that. And it turns out people do enjoy listening to it. But the biggest advice that I can give to anybody is to simply start. If, you know, if there's something you want to start a podcast, start it. You know, if you don't get you know, a billion listeners, it doesn't mean it's not successful success. It, these things don't equate to that. You know, it's not necessarily about chasing likes and chasing views and that type of thing. It's not really about that. Ultimately, if you enjoy what you do and those things will come, that's not to say that you shouldn't try and get yourself out there. And, you know, there are things that you should do and advertise and try and suggest people, but that nothing should take away from the ultimate thing of what you want to do. And that's talking about something you love and it doesn't matter if nobody is into that subject at all. It could be completely niche in every way. If you enjoy talking about it, go ahead and do it and record it and start. And that's the best thing advice. The advice I can give you for anything within life. Just start. Start that first podcast and it'll fucking suck. That first one, my one was, you know, without Tim helping me out, was was, was awful. I was, was lost. I still am lost in many ways. Was was terrible, you know, the recording levels and you're getting all the noises of, you know, the vocalizations and stuff like that. And some stuff doesn't work and it takes fucking ages to kind of produce it. And what microphone should you use and what volume should you have at? And, and all this nonsense, just fucking start and you will only get better. You won't get worse. It just doesn't work like that. You learn how to get the best you can out of the equipment you've got. And then you improve your equipment and then you move from there. All the best podcasts that I listen to, of the ones who have stayed to their the, the best form, the ones who have kind of naturally, organically developed and they haven't ran to something else and become something else. I see a lot of podcasts talking about music that the, the kind of almost chase a certain thing. And, and, and that's, I'm, listen, I ain't, I've told before, I'm not here to, to, to be negative or to, that's their thing. And, and if it works for them, you know, that's great. But that's not what I would suggest doing the first thing you've got to be happy with is that what you're doing 
is is you're happy with you you're happy with yourself and happy with that of what you have to say and i think that's incredibly important but more than anything you should simply start if you're thinking of doing something now if anything this podcast should be here to say if i can do it if i could do it, god dude, anybody can do it I, like i say not, a, not the best voice in the world you know only a very cursory knowledge of metal you know and i'm somehow you know people are listening you know and i hope it's because it's entertaining and because there is a a, a run a running truth that runs through all of it about you know my experience and that's that's really what it, what i think it should should be should be about you know so start, sorry to start that off with kind of some kind of motivational speech but i just thought it was nice to touch on that um and talk to people especially you know people teenagers uh, and just starting this whole process and people very young to technology who certainly know way more than i do but certainly new to it who think that they have to have all this preamble before they start it you don't it's bullshit you don't have to have any of that so speaking of you know starting and and doing it yourself and getting it done this this next guest is the epitome of um the representation of the underground of the scene of what a massive champion of the scene is from the unsigned bands, from the brand new bands, to the very established bands, to the classic bands, and everything in between. And this next guest, Epitome, is shouting from the rooftops about the exacts and how important music is, and how great it is, and how powerful it is for as an agent of change in someone's life, and as to, you know, uh, as something you can rally round to when 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 life isn't that great. You know, it's music can be this wonderful place you can go to, kind of get yourself away from everything metal as i've always said is is that and this next guest champions um you know bloodstock and how important that is and by extension metal to the masses and how important that is and we get into all of that we get into the stuff that you know people don't necessarily like to talk about how about you know, people did did, did did people some people out there who are negative about metal to the masses and the things that they're like we talk about that and we, we put it on front street we talk about it and we, we we tell you what 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 we think, and this should be a, an introduction to some of um, Bloodstock itself. If you've never heard of it, and you'd be amazed if you haven't, and Metal to Master, be amazed if you haven't. But just how much work that the people that you know put into that festival put on. But then also as a little view to the behind the scenes about what, how you're meant to act as a band and what actually really goes on in in like the press tents and things like that. As I've always tried to do, I've always tried to show. An element of the business, be it you know, being a guitar tech, a bass tech, merch, you know, lighting, drum tech, tour managers, anything like that. I want to show you some of the things that I've seen that kind of almost demystify it because it's an unusual business and it's a business at the moment that is in real dire need of your help. And how you can do that is by supporting bands, supporting venues, as I've talked about numerous times on these on these shows. But this is a window into the world of the amount of people and the amount of effort that's required to bring something like a festival to fruition. And therefore, when we don't have these, how many people are actually affected? This is a very real problem. This is a very problem with a face, with a problem with with many lives involved with it, and it's incredibly important. And we always try to keep it positive as as well. We talk uh, at length about bands that we love. Uh, And and my next guest loves so many bands with a passion it's it's fantastic and he's so he's so self-effacing and doesn't realize how just how important he is and i tell him how important he is because it's people like this next guest who are the the part of the gears that make things happen and and, and make things work 
he'll never tell you how uh, how how important his his part of it is because he probably doesn't see himself. In fact, when we talk, he, he certainly doesn't. But I tell him that he is because it's people like my next guest that we we need in the business and are grateful that we've got um, from the the TMs and the festival promoters to the, the promoters of smaller venues to everything in between. That are having a difficult time now. This is this podcast is for you. This particular podcast is for you, and it will help. I hope bring a window into a world where people re- didn't realize just how much work and how much effort um, you, you you have to do to to do these roles within within this business. And what better person to show that and offer that um, that sort of uh, prism to view through than my next guest, Squatter. Uh, Squatter, as you. As many who will know him know about him being working with Bloodstock and Metal to the Masses and on Bloodstock Radio and being very much a voice of Bloodstock and very much works with the bands behind the scenes in interview and stuff like that. We go into all of that. Um, super nice guy, fellow Blue, which is which is always going to be good. Um, but more than anything, very honest, very open, because his, and his love for the business and his love for music really permeates through this episode. And I hope you enjoy it. Because I we really enjoyed doing this. Like, um, we're definitely going to have um Squatter on again, most definitely. Um, but please uh, enjoy um our sit down with Squatter. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is a it is a treat this episode. A treat for me because we get to talk about uh, uh our our favorite football club before we come on Everton, and so and also to, I get to talk to a, a super nice guy. But bef- even before all of that, talk about a voice of the community and and a person. Uh, absolutely pivotal in in the uh, gestation period, the new bands, the forming of uh, of new styles and music and everything getting brought up. And I'm remembering older bands and champion uh, champion local acts. Ladies and gentlemen, I know him as Paul McMonies, but everybody else knows him as Squatter. Squatter, welcome to the show. Finally, get you on, mate. It's nice to have you yeah. on. That's, thanks, Coop. Nice to be on, mate. Good to see you. Um, we, I don't know. It's a difficult one to start this. This, I think, probably the best place to start is probably where we first met, um, and that was at uh, the, the the fabulous Bloodstock. Obviously, when we when we were at home, um, and and so I was at the time I was working. I was doing some press stuff. Uh, dabbled in press when I was doing TM and stuff, and you kind of have to have a, a couple of different hats. And I was looking after some bands and working with some people, but mainly. I was in the press tent, and the press tent's like to the uh, stage left, and it's a big area, as you'd imagine, a big tent, and there's loads of desks and um, all the journalists and, and togs and all that, and they all gather in there, and you largely don't see many of this much of the show, and you kind of you're interviewing people, people are passing through, so you, you're looking for a friend, and I'd never been in there before, I'd never really done the press side of it, and I'd gone in. And uh, immediately hit it off with with, with, with Squatter because of both was you know the the Everton connection. Uh, it, the initial question you asked me was, uh, "Are you red or blue?" And I get the feeling, <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling, if I'd said red, I would not be having this conversation. We would have had the relationship. Maybe we had. Not. It might it might be a different conversation. Maybe <laughs> it's amazing on which it flavors things, isn't it? But. But but then I started like we spent we basically spent the weekend together. We we, we would talk to bands. Sometimes he would talk to someone, and I would talk to someone, and we we generated a really nice friendship off the back of that. And then, you know, Paul BK is is absolutely pivotal in the in Bloodstock, and I suppose that's maybe where we should start. So for you, Paul, what what was your introduction to Bloodstock at first? Uh, well, I only actually went to Bloodstock for the first time in 2013. To be honest, I didn't. Hmm. I wasn't 
really that aware of it. Um, I I was into me metal back when I was like 18, 19, well, 16, 17, 18, 19, went off to university and didn't really sort of follow it from there. So that would have been around about 91. And then I didn't start going to gigs again until about 2009 or something like that, where a mate of mine uh, came up here to, to North Wales, um, where, where we grew up in Rill and Prostatin. And um, in 2009, in December, he said, um, you've got to come to this gig with me. He said, Blackie Lawless is playing at Pontins in Prestatin. And I was like... <laughs> of course he is, of course, of course. Yeah, I was just like, of course he is. And it was one of the, the Hard Rock Hell ones. It was a Hammer Fest or Hard Rock I'm Hell. I'm trying to think, what was what was he... Was, was that the Crimson Idol? Was that around that time? No, no, I think it was just... I think it was just... Um, I don't know, which is Wasp. It was just uh, Wasp. <laughs> It was Wasp and Queensryche and Tiger Tales and a few other bands Shit. like that. Yes. But yeah, uh, Angel Witch, I remember, were there. But but I hadn't been to a metal gig for, for quite a while. So that was December 2009. Um, and I, so I sort of missed out a load of, a load of you know, metal that I wasn't really sort of following it. Yeah. Uh, and when I got back into that, um, I started following it a little bit more. Um, and then so, so I somehow ended up being a DJ on, a, on an American um rock station um through through a chat room i was just chatting on a on a site um uh just a just a just a chat site really and they had a radio room um and a radio show was playing in there and i was just joking with the djs and they were like oh yeah we're giving you shout outs on air so i started listening um and then ended up doing a few jingles for them and stuff like that because they're american and so obviously yeah. having a, an english accent on, on the on the station was quite Quite it's a novelty, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I did a few. I remember I did one like the, the jingle, like Ringo Starr, just sort of you know, almost the <laughs> station did a did a sort of one of them. Um, and so yeah, and then all the DJs sort of wanted to wanted to get me to do a few jingles for them, and then and then invited me to be a DJ. So that would have been about I don't know about 2010, 2011 maybe or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'd never done you know DJing or anything like that or. I never thought I would do. I've always thought about a pretty boring voice, to be honest. I didn't think people would want to, want to hear me. Um, so I so I just started doing it with that. Uh, did that for a couple of... There was a couple of stations in America. Um, and then uh, started working for a, a station over here. I say working, still voluntary. Um, and it was through them. They were they were kind of champions of the, of the underground sort of thing. Mm. And when I started following them, um, it was through... Uh, a guy called Andy Pilkinson, who you might be aware of. Yeah. Um, company called Very Metal Art, uh, who does uh, artwork, yeah. stuff like that. And he was the manager of Reign of Fury at the time, thrash band. Yeah. Uh, and they were doing a thing called Headbangers Balls, which was a collection of charity gigs um, up and down the country for the Teenage Cancer Trust. Right. Uh, Zentrix were announced as playing it, and Zentrix are my favourite band. Sure. So, Tricks had just come back in 2013, so it was February 2013. My best mate Martin messaged me and he said, Oh my god, Zentrix are back. And then they got announced for this headbangers balls thing, there's headline in it um, in Manchester later that year. And I'm like, Oh, this is amazing, it's brilliant. And then they suddenly disappeared, they weren't headlining it anymore. So I messaged the headbangers balls page and said, What happened there? and got a reply back from this guy, Andy Pilkins, who I didn't know at the time, just saying, oh, we've had to take it off because they're going to do a few, they were doing some dates with the creator in Manchester. So they had to just unannounce it, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, and I just got chatting to, chatting to Andy Pilkins, and he told me about this, this, this uh, radio station that were looking for DJs, and he was doing an interview on there. And I, I was just with them, 
And it was through them, and I say 2013, later that year, when Zentrix were announced for Bloodstock, that was the first time that I went. So it was, Zentrix are a big part of it, really, but Zentrix were a, a, a really big part of me actually getting um, getting into it all, really, because I, I wasn't really that bothered about doing the, doing the DJ. And it was a bit of a laugh, but I wasn't really yeah. that, you know, that bothered about doing it. Um, and I'd never really heard of Bloodstock, um, which is quite mad sitting here as I'm sitting here now. But um, yeah, 2013 was the first time I went, uh, just as a punter. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the lineup was 2013. Now, do you remember it? Oh God, um, the headliners oh, I can God. tell you. So Lamb Lam- Lam- of God was the way, one of the headliners because right. they, uh, they had problems. I can remember King Diamond were one of the headliners because yeah. Like, don't really know King Diamond. Let's give him like one song. He started singing, and me mates said, "Jesus Christ, he's like Elmo." And I was like, "Right, I'm, I can't, I can't hear him now ever." And we've got Merciful Fate at Bloodstock. <laughs> I can't hear him singing now without hearing Elmo singing. That's it. So it's that's it. that high pitched, and, and that's it. We were, so off we went to the Sophie tent to have a few more drinks and and uh, and watch what was going on in there. So, um, yeah. so. You 2013, I, I, I didn't really know um, uh, anyone. I'd only just started on that radio station. There was a, fun, a funny incident there, actually, because I, I, my, my mate Martin that I went with, uh, we were both Centrix fans back in the day. He was the one that had messaged me in the February saying, oh, my God, Centrix are back. Um, yeah. And it's one of those I can literally remember where I was going through McDonald's drive through <laughs> I got a text off him. So, <laughs> proper one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And um, and then over the course of the, the few months that Zentrix have played these gigs with with uh, Creator and Eval uh, supporting, um, I'd, I'd been doing the radio station thing, so I'd been able to sort of interview them and mm. I got to know them a bit. In fact, the first gig that they did, they did a warm-up gig at, um, oh, what's the name of the place now? It's a little pub in Bolton. Um, it's not the Alma Inn, is it? Was it wasn't, wasn't the Alma, no, was it? Wasn't the Alma? Was it something else? It might have been the Alma. Can't remember yeah. anyway. But it was a it was a really small small pub. And it was on a Sunday night, and it was just a warm up gig, first gig they'd done back. Uh, and I was living in Northampton at the time, and I was actually in my mates in Chichester that weekend. And it's on a Sunday night, and I'm like, mm, not really sure I'm going to make that one to be honest. <laughs> but I did. I drove yeah. up from Chichester. You've drove so, some crazy uh, miles whenever, like whenever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So I, I, I went up in there. The Metal, you have covered some miles more than any touring band I've ever worked with. Yeah, I have. I've done, I'm stupid, really. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, I went to that, and as I was walking in, uh, I had the Zentric shirt on that I'd, that, I'd, that I'd ordered, and as I walked in, someone just said to me, "That shirt, mate." As I went in, I was like, "Right." And as I walked past, I thought, "That's <laughs> And then, literally, as they were walking, so this would have been maybe the April, so they announced in the in the February, in the April this was, I think, and uh, they, they as they were warming up to go on stage, they, they're playing their intro music, the Terminator intro that they do, and as they're standing there in this little pub and there's a handful of people there, Mac of the bassist goes, oh, look, that's our Facebook stalker, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I wasn't aware that I was a Facebook stalker. <laughs> He's just sort of like, oh, you'll come and have a chat with you afterwards, and I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Starstruck, you know, Zentrix, like I absolutely loved them back in the day. And so anyway, I'd, I'd been to see them quite a few times. I went to see them on, um, uh, I think, two out of those three creator dates, interviewed Chris a couple of times uh, over the over the phone, like. And then when we went to Bloodstock, me and Martin, um, 
we've just been to see Death Angel and we're walking back from seeing Death Angel. I think they're going over to the Sophie Town or something. And just hear this voice calling, Paul, Paul. So we've got this thing, me and my mates, when we grew up. I grew up in, I, live, I lived in Real, where I live back again now, I moved back again now. Um, and here's where all the nightlife was. So all my mates from all miles around, they all lived out in the sticks. So we all used to come here and stay here overnight to go out on the, on the town. So yes. we went out in Bill, and I'd be saying, all right, Dave, all right, Harry, all right, Bill. And they were always like, you don't know all these people. You're just blagging them. <laughs> it's just bullshit. So it's been a running joke for years. And we're at Bloodstock, and we hear, Paul, Paul. And Martin's like, fuck's sake, we can't even... We can't even go here, and you know something. <laughs> and we turn around, and Chris Astley's <laughs> running towards us, and Martin's face just goes, "What the fuck?" And it's like, so he comes over. He's all right, Paul. Like that. I was all right, Chris. Like that. So this is my. We're both wearing Zentric shirts, and uh, Chris is like, "Oh yeah, nice one." Like that. And Martin's face is just sort of like, "What the fuck's going on here? How how do you know Chris Astley?" Because I hadn't really, <laughs> I hadn't really told you know. And yeah. he's like, so yeah, so just had a bit of a chat, went away, and he's just sort of like, how 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 is that? So completely. So that was my that was my first sort of starstruck little moment. Just sort yeah. of like, oh. I know. So, it, must yeah. be, it, it must be. I mean, I I went back a, little, a couple of weeks ago and listening to Zentric purely because you I put something about on. I was like, I they've got to be one of the most underrated metal bands of all time. I don't. Mm, I, I mean, we talk about Death they're... Angel and you know the people that missed out from Thrash's Big Four, and we talk about that. But Zentrix, oh my God, talk about completely bypassed. They should have been way bigger than they were. You know, when I went back and listened, I was like, Christ, these are fantastic. The new, even the new material is absolutely spot on as well. And so, yeah. you, you know, it's interesting how you kind of, it's very organic for you, the route to Bloodstock, if you will, because it came from just a genuine love of a band, going to see a band and... And it seems to have just grown from that very organically. You didn't sit there and go, I'm definitely going to start doing this. And there was no kind of plan to it. It seems really organic. And that seems that makes it more genuine, I think. And that, I think, you know, that's certainly one of the things I noticed straight away, that the bands that you were talking to, they were very comfortable with you. And that can only really be attained, I think, by someone who genuinely loves the music. So well, you'd gone into it as a punter. You'd watched that and, you, you know, you'd enjoyed, you'd enjoyed that. When did it go to being... Uh, a work thing, if you will, or, or or kind of when you were there as as non-punter, if you will. Yeah, well, 2013 to 2014, I was there as I was there as a punter, but I was still trying to do interviews with bands because I was mm. doing for the just for the radio station. So just with my my dick deferred. If I can remember, there was there was a few bands in 2013 <laughs> that had been uh, recommended to me uh, on the New Blood. Uh, so the likes of uh, One for Sorrows, band down in London, uh, Getica from Coventry. Um, there was uh, Balls Deep were playing on the um, amazing on the, Balls Deep, amazing. Uh, yeah, and uh, and just some just cracking bands and um, Getica in particular. My cousin had, had recommended them, and I was sitting watching um, Lamb of God and saw one of the lads because he had they all used to wear waistcoats and like bowler hats as part of the stage gear, and they had a little waistcoat with Getica on it. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. So I got chatting to them. Turned out, you know, I had a good chat with him, arranged to to meet up with them and I went to see them. that was in the August I went to see them 10 times between them and Chris then and yeah because they were in Coventry I was in Northampton it wasn't too far away and got to be really good mates with them and their guitarist Tofa is is my video guy for Bloodstock TV now so yeah yeah got to be really good mates with them I've been to two of their wed DJ'd at two of their weddings <laughs> the last ceremonies are, are one of them so you know 
and, and that was literally just from because um, mm. I'd been to um, I'd been to download a few times in between, like 20, 2012, went to Sonosphere twenty eleven, things like that. But I always went around all the smaller stages. It was always mm. kind of you know I've yeah. got my big bands that I do want to see. I think the big four played at Sonosphere the, the twenty eleven, I think. But yeah. there was always it was either the main big bands and mm. then down to the bottom stages. I, I didn't really bother with the sort of second, third stages. I'd be, I'd always been sort of looking around, even when I wasn't really doing the, the radio show that much, uh, even before that. So when in, in 2013, when I started working for this radio show, it then became very much about going around to those smaller stages and the New Blood stage at Bloodstock and the, uh, the Jaeger stage at Bloodstock is where we, where we mainly have those. So, so the bands that, that were doing that in 2013 and 2014, have since, as we do at Bloodstock, been pushed up the stages. So they've played the yeah. Sophie stage. Some of them have played on the main stage. Conjurer are going to play the main stage next year as well. Yeah, so fabulous. it's 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 worked for me like that because I always like the sort of grassroots of it. And that's why mm. I've been so many gigs. I mean, I, I don't really do arena gigs that much or big, even big academy gigs or stuff like that really yeah. that much more. Um, I go to maybe like two or three of them a year, but I go to about or have done about 56 yeah. gigs a year or something so yeah i mean ladies and gentlemen squatter is the is, is the embodiment of when certainly when i talk about it all the time on the show is that if you could see metallica tomorrow in a pub you, of course you would go and see them but you could see megadeth or slay or the big four or whatever playing in, in in your local club that holds 200 people you of course you would go well these people are playing these shows they just haven't become famous yet these bands are out yeah. there playing in front of 20 30 people with albums full of material, they are out there. And you know what better example of of going to see bands and supporting your scene is is Squatter. And so much as that, look what what you know it is almost his entire life's been shaped by that. You know, it certainly happened for me. I started as a fan, and then you you know you you learn a little bit about the business, and you kind of talk to people, and then all of a sudden you find yourself like I did, you know, tour managing or tech and something like that. It, it's it's strange how one day it just seems to change. Um. And because these bands are playing all the time, you know, aside from the pandemic now, they, they were playing. You could go and see a, a, you know, five or six bands in a place that was holding 100 people, and they are going to be the future, the next people. You know, Conjurer, I remember um, seeing Conjurer like a couple of years ago uh, with, with, on third on a bill somewhere, and now to see them kind of like making the main stage in, in Bloodstock, it just fills me heart because... That's what the the question that always gets asked about the headliners is where's the next headliners coming from, and Squad is is, is proof positive that it, these people are playing and exist. You just have to go and fucking see them. You just have to go and support them. Um, and what's interesting is when 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 Squatter talks, ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about largely pre-internetish days and certainly pre-social media-ish days, where instead of messaging your local hero or messaging your famous person on Twitter, you had to actually go to a gig and approach them and talk to them and strike up a report before you could go. Would you like to, to do an interview? Would you like to do, you had to do that. You know, he had to go up to someone in a band and talk to them. And you can only do that truly if you're a fan and truly if you, if you, if you, you're interested in that person, instead of just interviewing randoms and, interviewing everybody that you can just send a message to you have to actually care enough to go and do that and um, so you were doing these interviews with a dictaphone i've been there i used to do interview and review and 
you had to take like this pre-iPhone, so you were taking dictaphones and you had you had to have all, all the noise of the band playing and you had to figure out how to it was insanity as I remember. I've got tapes full of dictaphones of 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 bands I've interviewed and how I picked apart them and then transcribed it is beyond me. There was no software to do it. I just had to kind of listen and endlessly rewind the tape. What did he say? What was that name? How did he say that? Oh, someone shouted when he gave me that answer. Um, so then did you kind of move? When did you go sort of behind the scenes then? So you're at the moment you're kind of at the show and kind of approaching people. Did you go behind the scenes at that point where you would go into like green rooms and things like that to interview yeah. people? Ish, a little bit. I mean, I, th I think the first interviews that I remember, because I, I used to literally just do the show and I used to, I'd, I'd, I'd mainly be talking to bands about getting the music off them, first of all, because I wasn't doing interviews at that point. Um, that would have been around about 2014 or something like that. I think I started doing interviews at some of the smaller festivals. There was one um, uh, up on the Wirral, um, out the, out, what's it called? Out the Ashes? Out the Ashes Festival, yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah, so uh, did uh, Baxter, the guy that did that. Did that. Um, that was what I did my first interviews. It was with a few bands that I already knew, so that helped. So I already sort of knew, already played them on the show and that lot. Uh, there was a band called Kaidecker who don't exist anymore, sadly, down from down in Cornwall. Um, and a band called, what are they called? Extreme OD. They're now called I Saw the World Burn. Yeah, but, Extreme OD. I Saw the World Burn. That's uh, our mutual friends, Don's band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Don's, Don's up here near me at the moment. I went I went and played footy with him, actually. He's a, he's a red. He, he is. <laughs> he is, yeah. We give, we give each other a hell of a time. Like. So, yeah. But um, just before lockdown, actually, he does a thing called Fat Lads Football up here on the, in North <laughs> I went and played that one week, uh, yes. and then and then lockdown came, and we haven't done it since. So I'll have to try and get back in touch with him. But <laughs> I, I interviewed them. Um, it's, uh, there was that sort of familiarity there, and, and and it wasn't really going out to a big audience. So you sort of cut your cut your teeth there while you you're sort of getting used to doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I just sort of thought that um, I say I've had sort of quite a few like compliments on my on my interviewing style because it isn't really a it's like this it's a chat i don't really yeah. do days i don't really do the 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 you know the generic sort of things because mm. i got I, I say when you when you mates with these bands they'll they'll tell you they'll just sort of say that was a bit crap or that was you know that, yeah. don't we get asked that all the time don't bother asking that so you can just have a chat with them because they're your mates and that way you're you're sort of you, you're getting used to doing that and then when you get interview you know some of the bigger bands and that lot then you just treat them the same way as they're they're, they're just people at the end they're of the day. just people with an extraordinary job yeah 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 and you just don't get you just don't get starstruck by them you just sort of talk to them and i think someone someone actually one of the one of the directors at the uh, bloodstock actually i had a I had a bit of a wobbly one one time and, and uh I'd, I'd gone back around to the production office i was just sort of saying don't think that one really went that well probably um um talked a little bit like more personally it was more about me than than about them right. and uh and 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 rachel said um well that's why we got you here because you don't interview the rock star you interview the person and that's what we want we want the human thing behind it and i'm like oh exactly. i like that i like that so um so yeah so it was um it, it was a um a, a a sort of i don't know learning curve i suppose where uh without interviewing those little bands um mm. And of course, it helps them as well. So you talk about growing together with things. You know, some of the bands we interview um, and that we do with the Metal to the Masses for Bloodstock as well, it's the first time they've ever been interviewed. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a new experience for them as well. So 
So now where I'm more experienced, and I've interviewed a lot of bands now, um, then I'll be sort I'm more used to sort of cheering them along. And sometimes you'll, you know, when we when I was interviewing sort of 20, 30 bands for the uh, Melts of the Masses winners, I quite a lot quite a lot of the time you'd be sort of like, can you send us a list of the questions you're gonna answer or that, uh, what you're gonna ask us and yeah. things like that? Get a bit nervous about it and it's just like no just 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 talk just talk as if we're talking in the pub it's fine that's all it'll be. don't have to worry about it um and as i say i've got a few bands that um there's a band down in london called suma that are absolutely fantastic and when i interviewed them um when we did bloodstock tv for the first time in 2016 they were one of the first interviews on the on the friday and when i saw them on the sunday they said that was that was the best interview that we had all weekend because you actually listen to what we say and then responded we'd said not yeah, it's a conversation yeah yeah so we're rather than sort of going so uh you got a new album then out have you and then, <laughs> and then they say oh there's quite a funny story about that and they just go all right are you doing any tours <laughs> and it's just like might as well not be there yeah yeah exactly they just literally just ignore you know i just gave you an in i just told you yeah. quite a funny story about that but because they weren't listening they just go to the next question on the Lots sheet yeah. and for me i've always looked at it as being I wouldn't want to watch that. I, I would mm. find that boring I, as, a, as a punter, which is why I still see myself as the fact yeah. that I get to I get to, to interview bands and do do other bits and bobs. That I, I am still essentially a punter, as we all are at Bloodstock. To be honest, that's the whole that's the whole thing of it. By yeah, the fan, the point. Yeah. that's the that's the way it all works. You know, we're all fans primarily, and then we just happen to get to do some cool stuff as well. But yeah, it, that's that's the bit that makes it be more genuine i think it just comes across to yes yeah I, I think it's interesting that there's sort of two sides of that that you talk about side one so to speak is that um young bands starting out there's an art to a, an interview um and once you become uh, you know big or famous or whatever you can do multiple interviews uh, in a day and they can be on multiple medias you can have phoners where someone's just speaking to you you can do a skype or a zoom like we're doing you can do them in person you can do them with other people as well. You can and all kinds of variations to it. And it's like, it's like going to the gym. You have to work those muscles to be able to do that, to be able to get yeah. asked the same questions over and over again and give an interesting or a surprised response to it, even though you've heard it asked a billion times before, uh, you know, yeah. and still be able to plug your, the product that you're, you're trying to plug, but without sounding disingenuous and without sounding that, you know, it's forced. And, and in many ways, I found that, that that was what I struggled to kind of work with when I first started interviewing bands. I started with a list of 25 questions, and, you, and I just wanted to get through those 25 questions. And it was like, you're missing the point. It's like, um, it's, it's like a, a, a dance, almost, without sounding too romantic about it. It's like a dance where you kind of you lead and you follow, and someone gives you, like you say, an into a conversation, yeah. and they respond to you. And you've got to listen a very busy most important thing i would suggest to anybody reviewing and interviewing uh, a band is to is to listen and and allow that to be a, a you know if they say something you know go react to it and go oh, that's interesting and be willing to pull that thread but like i say these are all uh, muscles that have to be worked and this is probably why you know i always suggest if someone wants to get into the the, the sort of the press and that side of things is to go and interview your local band that no one's heard about and make I've, I've watched interviews that have been incredibly entertaining by people who uh, in in bands that you know haven't even got a song out yet or maybe got a, a two or three songs out because the inter a conversation if it's interesting is interesting it's as simple as that and so yeah. you know it, it, it the whole point is that you all i ever strove for and certainly when i was uh, interviewing bands was to be genuine 
and and to be honest and to be knowledgeable. So I would always do my research and I would always, you know, listen to the stuff they've done before and try and give a, a good account, you know, uh, and, and like you say, sometimes you get it wrong and sometimes it doesn't work. And, and, and that's when you're interviewing smaller bands or your mates, like you say, is invaluable because they'll be like, well, you, you shouldn't really say that. And that's a little bit insulting to say this or that doesn't make sense. And you just like you say, you cut your teeth now. You probably don't see the whole journey that you took, but I see, I watch you interview bands in first hand and I've seen the professionalism that you and and the sort of coolness that you have. And what's interesting is I remember, I think you were interviewing Stuck Mojo and I knew Mm. Rich, me and Richard were a ton together. And I always, I thought, well, Paul is fucking or squatter as we, I have to keep saying is he was like the epitome of like this professional guy. And uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, and he, you saw me talking to Rich, and I was like, because we, we caught up, he would told him uh, what I, I'd coming through with stuff, Mojo, and 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 he went, do you know Rich? I was like, yeah, 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 he's a, he's a friend, like, and he was all, you know, put a good word in for me, and I was like, you are a pro, you are a you are a professional, you don't even, and it was it was funny to see you almost nervous because you cared, and you were nervous because you like, I don't want to say anything that's embarrassing, I want to give a good interview account for this gentleman. And, and that's what I think. I think that's why, and certainly very clearly, it's what, what Bloodstock recognised in you. So when did you start becoming kind of behind the scenes of Bloodstock then and doing the, the whole thing? Which so, came first, Metal to the Masses or, or the Bloodstock? Uh, Metal, to the Masses did, Metal to the Masses did first. For the radio station, I started covering Metal to the Masses in London. Make sure, by the way, we come back to that Stock Mojo interview because I will tell you <laughs> Okay. More. <laughs> in a minute because 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 that's quite funny that you picked up on that one actually so uh, so so yeah uh 20 2015 i was in the press tent at bloodstock but for the radio station so i was just doing dictaphone interviews i'd managed to get on the press list for bloodstock um you know and, and had gone to do interviews and the reason i'd got on is because i'd been covering the metals of the masses london on my show mick wood uh was a, a mate of mine that i got to know i'd been to when had I been? I'd been, I think I'd been to the 20, yeah, 2014 final. Um, and then the 2015 final, we covered, I think. What did we cover that? I think the radio station covered the 2014 final, uh, right. which was um, uh, Jackknife Seizure won that. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Wretched Toad won it the year after. Um, and I'd got really close. Like, Mick Wood was, was great, and he wanted me to... To, to do so he would uh, my show used to go out on a sunday night and his metal to the masses was on a sunday night so he'd text me the results and i would report them on my show between 10 and midnight he'd actually message me through what they were and i'd play music by those bands and then uh, I'd do a few interviews with them and, and, and bits like that so it, we, I, I sort of got noticed that way and that's where i first met simon hall um i think at a london gig possibly um and just got to know to know simon hall and simon for those that don't know is uh, uh he was the lead singer of a band called beholder at the time but he also runs the metal to the masses for blood starting he's been doing about 11 years now um and um yeah that was how i sort of met him and he also books bands for the sophie stage along with vicky hungerford at the festival so Simon is, um, is, is really the guy that got me into uh, Bloodstock and got me in behind the scenes. In 20, so 2013, 2014, I was just there as a punter. 
but I was I had my dictaphone with me and I was trying to do a few. I don't think I did any 2013. I maybe did a few 2014. But by 2015, I was not only doing the Metal to the Masses London, but I was also, you know, all of the winners. I interviewed most of the winners for the radio for the radio show. Um, and then when I went to the festival, I had press tent access but I spent most of my time in the New Blood tent watching the bands. There was 22 Metal to the Masses, Metal to the Masses winners that year, and I watched every single one of them, mm. um, the New Blood tent. And I, I think I watched about 10 minutes of Overkill on the main stage, and that was it, really. I didn't, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't watch any main stage bands. I just didn't. Mm. This just weren't my... If I remember rightly, I think that the headliners might have been the likes of Trivium and within Trent. Trivium were, yeah. Yeah. and I wasn't that not my not my not my thing really mm-hmm. so uh, so 2015 was was punter but then just before 2016 um the I was still with the radio station um things there were starting to get a little bit fraught he the, the guy that ran it was starting to fall out with a few people and he was um uh causing a few waves let's say um and then for some for whatever reason he said we hadn't got press access for bloodstock now i've been covering metal to masses in london for six months mixed starts in about november and he told me that we hadn't been granted press press conference press coverage and i was like but what 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 you know people bloodstock they're expecting me to be there how do you mean what do you mean we haven't got press we haven't got the press pass he said, well, we just haven't. He says, I th- and, and he, he had, you know, some sort of delusions of grandeur that for some reason Bloodstock saw his radio station as being some sort of threat to them or something, or this little, this little, yeah. the little festival that they used to run. I'm v- v- trying very much not to use names because people sure. that, that know, know who it is. But yeah, but yeah so, it, so it got to that, to that situation where um, he'd said, well, Bloodstock are trying to screw us over and I'm not going to go back and ask for press. And I'm like, well, I want to be there at press, so I'll go and see somewhere like Ramsey or someone like that and see if they want someone to do yeah, interviews. Well, yeah. And he was like, well, you can't do that. You, you, you're a DJ for us. You, I'm, like, I'm a voluntary DJ for you. I'm not, I'm not paid. Yeah, yeah. A bit fraught like that. Yeah. Um, and his, his partner was was talking to me I, I i actually got her a job where i work this is how close we all were at this radio station i got her a job and they'd moved to bedford where i was where i was uh, working uh, she actually said to me you know that's great it's really great news that could be really good news for the station because i wanted to carry on being a dj at the station yeah, and yeah. Do, you know and, and do get the bloodstock link going yeah right so we weren't gonna we weren't gonna go for it so um i got a phone call from simon uh simon hall when i was at work one day but he said um he said i believe you're not going to be at bloodstock this year and i said yeah apparently we didn't get press and he was like all right okay so well we don't do that that that's all outsourced at bloodstock it's um yeah. sourced as you know um so 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 it's nothing to do with us he said but would you be interested in coming doing some interviews for bloodstock then and I'm just sort of like for, for what like and he was like well We'd maybe come out with this idea of doing some video video interviews. And I was yeah. like, I've never done never done video interviews, <laughs> audio. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in, in doing it. So Obviously, he was like, yes. let me. He said, well, he said, well, let me. He said, I, I'm only thinking of it at the moment. He says, I don't know for sure. He said, but he says, but but if if it doesn't work out, he said, I'm going to ring Adam in a minute and have a chat and see what he thinks. But if it doesn't work out, 
I'll make sure that we get you there and we'll get you a pass and get you in and that because you've worked on the mounts of the masters and all this stuff. So never mind what the gobshite at the radio station say and just ignore that. So it's like yeah. great. And then and then and then ten minutes later he ran back and he's like, Yeah, okay, you're in. I was like, what do you mean? He says, yeah, uh, Bloodstock TV, we're going to call it. Um, uh, <laughs> very, very Simon. Awesome. And it, and it was literally like, um, Adam's, Adam's heard your radio show. He knows what you're doing. I'm like, what? Adam Gregory? <laughs> what? So what? he says, so Adam's fine. He, he, he knows you know what you're doing. So yeah, he says, so get yourself a camera guy. Now, this is two weeks before the festival. <laughs> two weeks before the festival in 2016. Get yourself a camera guy and, um, and yeah, just come and do what you do. Just come and interview some bands. Yeah. Like, um, oh, oh, okay then. All right. <laughs> Head spinning, thinking, okay, there you go. So I said to Simon, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking of carrying on at the radio station. Um, do I say this or not? Yeah, go on, I'll say it. So, um, and basically just said, um, well, he says, as speaking on Bloodstock's behalf, that's fine, you can do it. Speaking as you may, I'd be walking away from that because that bloke's building, burning bridges left, right and centre. And Jesus. he's out with everyone and, and he's going to take that station down the pan so and, and at, the, at the time i was very much as you say because going to all the gigs i was going to all the gigs i was wearing all the station's t-shirts and i was yeah, very yeah, yeah. Face of the face of the station out of the gig i was bringing a lot of bands to the station um and to his little festival thing that he was doing so so i did feel that you know i'm you know very passionate about what i do and i believed yeah. in the brand like you know spent a lot of time you know, growing it and, uh, and you know, and, and, and promoting it. Unpaid, so, unpaid. This has to constantly be said. Yeah. It's all yeah. miles yeah. And, and petrol and, and shows, mm. all unpaid, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it got to that. So I, I said, well, listen, I'll go and have a chat with him. So I went out for a drink with him, him and his missus, and said, uh, listen, um, Bloodstock have asked me if I want to go do some interviews there. And he goes, all right, here we go trying to steal us from trying to poach you and i'm just like what are you talking about it's not that at all i want to carry on doing what i'm doing with you guys but i'm going to go and do that i'm being honest and tell you this is what i'm doing and yeah like, i'm telling them i'm just saying and, yeah. and i'm saying this is a positive thing for the station you know we've yeah. got a blood you know blood stuff thing you've got it, it was do you not think i'd be wearing your station's t-shirt and talk you know and you, you yeah. don't see the limitless possibilities if i'm your man yeah. there as well like yeah and as I said, the year the year before, I'd already done all the interviews for the radio station, and we've yeah. got some really good, you know, you know, uh, coverage on the back of it and stuff like that. So anyway, long story short, um, he went home from the pub. His missus said to me, "Congratulations, that's brilliant. That's really good." And I, I think it'll be good. I'll talk to him. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then at one in the morning, he sent me this absolute diatribe on Facebook about oh, how. I was backstabbing Swat and he, I'd always been out for myself and I, he knew that I'd only ever been using them as a stepping stone to try to get into blood talk and oh, just just reams and reams of just drunk babble. So I was yeah. so I said, well, you've made me a decision. He said, he said to me, so he said, so no, you can't do it. So he said, you've got to make a choice. It's either us or them. <laughs> you've made it very, very easy to make the Anybody choice. Anybody ever like, says to you in your life, yeah, I, I, I'll give you a choice. They've already yeah. made that choice before they give you yeah, that choice. Exactly. You know so, I mean? so I was, I was, I was sad about it because I had to say, yeah. three years I was there and I had You're spent committed to that, yeah. Really, really committed, and I was, you know, I was very committed to the brand and to and to, mm. to bigging it up and everything. So I just said to him, you know, well, listen, you know, let's just do this professionally. Let's not be arsy yeah. about it. We had a we had a, a private sort of Facebook chat 
chat group and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I said, let me just post in there, explain to people that we're parting Clear ways. Yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for support like that. No, none of that. She kicked me out of it, banned me, everything, and then just started slagging me off left, right, and oh, centre. Yeah. Uh, you know, yada yada. So anyway, so that was that. Um, and it was, you know, unsavory. It went on for a little while. I was professional about it and I didn't want I certainly didn't want to be doing stuff at bloodstock with petty shit like that hanging over me. So I yeah, just yeah. let it go and just and just carried on with it. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so so two weeks before uh we got told, you know, go and do some some interviews. So I was like, okay, I don't know anything about the lineup, I don't know who's playing, I don't know what's going on. So uh, I didn't I didn't get any given any contacts or anything. It was just literally just generate your own. So yeah. and that's pretty much been the way ever since, really. Um the the girls that run the the press list in there, um Kirsten and Michelle from from um from Cosa Nostra have helped me out quite a lot since but that year because we weren't really known and it was a sort of trial sort of thing. Yeah, it was just yeah and get as many interviews as you can mm. uh when you talk about a learning curve and about how you learn things that learn big lessons that year and I'll, we'll come back to stuff in a minute yeah yeah so so we ended up as i say i phoned topher from getica he'd been doing gig photography but i didn't know if he could do video yeah uh, and he said yeah yeah i did that university that'd be fine i'd love to do it and i knew he was going he already had a had a had a ticket and he was definitely mm. And so I was like, well, yeah, that's us then. That's me and you. So all the only guidance we got from Bloodstock was the uh, the video interviews, and we just want it to be interviewee only. So it's you off camera talking to them. Right, and yeah. Just pointed at them. Okay. And I was like, okay cool, that's good. So I start booking in interviews. Um, and I'm just like, okay, we'll get there and we'll get there. So Simon sent me a couple of contacts. Um, and the first two he sent me, because because he'd said to me, just do what you're doing, interview the new blood bands, interview, yeah. see if you can get some Sophie bands and stuff like that. And then the first two contacts he sent me were Anthrax and Behemoth. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what? You want me to do Anthrax? <laughs> no, and, it was all of a sudden, and it all of a sudden was like, whoa. And this is two weeks before the festival. So I'm like, you know. Wow. <laughs> Squeaky bum time, yeah. You're yeah. going to be able to do this. Like, yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I then got a little bit um, silly and got a little bit organized. And once you started putting name out there and asking for interviews, you find out that press people are looking after five or six bands at this festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the band you go and ask and say, oh, I see you're the press officer for these, but I would like to interview this band. And they'll go, oh, yeah, cool. You can interview them as long as you interview them and them yes. and them. And yeah. All right. So by the time we actually went, I had, I think, 52 interviews booked wow. Right? Wow. over the weekend, which was a lot. It's a I lot. Had, Those that don't know, it's a lot. But I had the schedule. I had the schedule all worked out. What I, what yeah. I did and what I, what I still do now is I, when the Clash Finder goes up on the Clash Finder website, yes. because of the Wikipedia sort of, you know, user-driven sort of thing, you can actually download them for yourself. Yes. So I downloaded it, created my own version out of it, and then added an extra stage, which was yes. our interviews. Interviews, so yeah. I can, so I can put in my interviews and still see the bands that I want to go and see. And we yes, yeah. and still do it like that to this day. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've, we've, we've got a slightly bigger team now. So what we'll do is we'll just say, right, which bands did you definitely want to see at the festival? Yes. Yeah. We'll block them in, and then we won't arrange any interviews around that. Mm. So, so this first year... 
we really didn't have any guts. We were just literally 50 interviews. <laughs> and then, of course, when we, when we got there um, and started doing the interviews, then more and more bands were coming up to us and press people. So, oh, can you squeeze us in? Can you squeeze us in? And me not wanting to say no. You want to say no? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, come on, then like that. Yeah. So by the end of the first day, my voice was pretty much hoarse, which I hadn't really thought about because when you're interviewing and you're talking like that, and it's at a festival where you've got a lot of background noise, you pitch your voice higher above the noise without realising you're doing yep. it. So I'm like, uh, uh. so I'm getting on the vocal zone and I'm getting, I'm getting, yeah. you know, whatever, get down me. And by the Sunday, there's, there are some interviews on our, um, uh, on the Bloodstock Festival's YouTube from 2016. And on the Sunday, my voice is just a whisper. It's like a croak. It's just like, yeah. uh, uh, uh. so that was the big lesson to be learned with that. The other thing with that, of course, is that when you're interviewing that many bands, you cannot research that many bands. You can't. Yes. I was, I was finding, oh, Rich, and I specifically remember Rich uh, from Rich, uh, from Stop Mojo, where yeah. I, I knew nothing about them. There was there was bands yeah. I was interviewing in two minutes that I yeah. literally knew their name, and that was that. Yeah. And you cannot do that. You cannot yeah. do. That. So I ended up winging a lot of it, and a lot of those interviews were bloody awful that year, 2016. We ended up interviewing um, 78 bands that played that weekend out of 118, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So, of course, the other thing of it as well, of course, is that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just have a chat and I'll just do this because that's all I do. I don't then think about the editing and the and the production yeah. of it and, uh, and all that that, that Topher had said he would do. Mm. So I'm like, oh, shit, I hadn't realised that we got to do all that. So long story short, a lot of the 2016 interviews never saw the light of day. They, they okay. did the main ones and they, and they came out. The Stuck Mojo one I remember specifically because what I was basically doing with quite a lot of them was the Bloodstock brochure that's got the bands in. I was reading that while they're getting interviewed next to me and yeah. trying to listen in at what the other guys are saying to see, <laughs> oh, well, I'll ask him that as well, which is, you know, crap. And I, and I say, I'm not, I'm, I'm being... You were learning, you were learning. At this well, this is the thing, see, I am I am a fan. I am not a broadcaster. I've got no... Yeah, broad- you, you, in, there's a difference like between that. being a fan and being someone who can interview someone as well. The two yeah. can, can connect, but there are exactly. different, different skill sets. So, so I was literally listening to Rich getting being interviewed the next one over. And as I say, the likes of yourself, there's a guy called Oren from uh, Overdrive IE who was yeah. a good friend and he was very helpful. Uh, there was Flick as well. She was she was helping me out with quite a lot of them because I was literally just asking people, do you know this band? Yeah. And just trying to get a bit of information. Yeah. I'd, re- I'd realized by the by the probably this Saturday, I have booked way too many interviews. Mm. Just don't have time, especially yeah. as camp in there as well um so i don't have time to actually do any of this research so there's a lot of bands that the interviews were were very very samey especially as a lot of them were new blood bands so you're asking them the same sort of thing they come from the mountains yeah i've got much of a history to go into yeah yeah, yeah yeah exactly so that one with um with stuck mojo i heard him getting interviewed next to me and he was yeah. just great proper you know hey, well, <laughs> what you do and i'm just thinking i can talk to him because he sounds great so um so when we first started, went to the interview, I sort of said to him, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know that much about your band. I've said, I've, I've, yeah. I'm literally 
do. Yeah. I'm first, first year I'm doing this. Uh, been thrown in. I only got asked to do it two weeks ago. So we're just going to have a chat about festivals and about the different. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, just go for it. Just talk. That's fine. That's cool. So we went to start the interview, and he just goes, "Are you not? Are you not in here with me?" And I'm just like, "No, no. It's it's. They've said it's interview only. Interviewee only." So he's like, yeah. oh, "Okay, cool. All right, fair enough." So. We did the interview and he was brilliant. He's a great guy, Rich Ward. He's just, you well, know, yeah. the, the whole sort of thing, the, you know, the, the, the Duke of Rock and Roll or whatever he calls Very himself. Very much is, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was great. And he was he was really, really lovely in that. And at the end of it, he just sort of like, you could see this little mischievous grin come on his face. And he just sort of like, when he said, I just want to say before we finish, he said, my buddy squatter here and he dragged me in. <laughs> and he went, my buddy squatter here has done a really good job at understanding. <laughs> But it's a dick, and I'm just sort of like, oh, dearie me. But that was an example of where it went well. There were some that weekend yes. where they were not, they weren't, they weren't great interviews. They were just literally yeah. like, when you don't know anything about the band, you've got nothing to go off. So, so after that, um, uh, Michelle from Cosa Nostra did give us a lot of advice about it. She mm. said, you really ideally don't want to be doing any more than about 15 or 20 interviews across yes. the whole yeah. weekend. That's yeah. all you really need to be doing. And she said, and mainly main stage and Sophie. Now, obviously, for me, that was a problem because to me, the new blood is what what Bloodstock's all it was, about. It's what it's all about, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, and that they are the bands I want to talk about, and I wanted to mm. do that. So what I did was I said to her, "I'll you know," because she's not telling me what to do. She's not telling me this is what you have to do. She's just advising me. Yeah, just yeah. saying this is what this is what would this is what I think it should be, and and she mm. actually. Great, Michelle. Very, very helpful. She's been. Yeah. If everyone has. Everyone's been really, really helpful to me. Because as I say, I, I, I don't. I don't really know what I'm doing. I keep saying to people, I'm not a broadcaster, and they're like, "Yes, you are, because what you do goes out." I'm here to say you are. <laughs> so you are. I'm afraid whether you're yeah, yeah. on or not. Yeah. So, so I, I had done the 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 um the the research with things more and more, mm. and again, I didn't want to do just the Q and As and the and the jumping from one to another. Yeah. So. What I would do is I would do the the research and then I would just write the information down, like the latest album or the latest tour or where they've been. But I would write it on like a piece of paper and just dot it all over the place. I wouldn't write it in a list on the page. They'd just be in like bubbles dotted about all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Then what I'd do is I would choose one to start with, which is usually the usual place you start with when you're talking to someone about Bloodstock, is Bloodstock. Yeah. If they play before, then I will note in there, they last played in so-and-so. So they moved on to the main stage. Or yeah, yeah. yeah, so you've now you've just played, you're going to play later on today if it's a bigger mm. band, usually mm. viewed it before, but you know, what do you remember from the last time you played or something yeah. like that? Yeah, and yeah. then whatever they talk about, what you're then doing is, as you said before, you're following that thread. So you're, mm. you're thinking, right, I know that bit of information. So you're not saying, right, the next one on my list is that. You're thinking, right, as they've gone along, they've just mentioned the new album. So therefore I know they've got a new album. Chance to interject that, yeah. Yeah. So then you'll literally just sort of jump back to that and you just say, You mentioned the new album there. So that's just come out in May, seems to be doing really well. How did that, you know, you know are you happy with it and stuff like that? And then if while they're doing that, they'll sort of say, you know, oh yeah, when we toured it in Rome, you just like, Oh yeah, I've seen that. I see you've just come back from Rome because you've got all their tour dates and you know where they've been. Yeah, yeah it's a much better way of doing it because it makes it flow better and it makes it what, what you're looking for a lot of the time certainly i was looking for was those things that they haven't said before that embarrassing yeah. story they haven't mentioned that yeah. thing that they remember from when they were a kid 
you know, um, mm. it's, it's and that's where you, and that's where you'll get it when you're responding yeah. to that. Way. I did it with um, with Nurgle, interviewed Nurgle, and again, mm. good example, different. yeah. Not my, not my type of music, didn't really know. Uh, Tove, my my, my uh, video guy, literally had a Behemoth T-shirt on because he knew we were going to be interviewed him that day. And I said to him, "What can I ask him about?" And he said, "I, I, I, I don't know. I don't know." And he was completely like, "I don't don't know what to yeah. ask him about." So I literally looked through the program notes and I saw that Nurgle had had leukemia. Now I had leukemia when I was 13. Right. So I thought, well, that's a possibility then because yeah. many interviewers are going to be able to talk to him about that. From yeah, not from a position of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I'll see how it goes and I'll chat to him for a bit and then I'll see how that goes. So we got on all right and he was and it was going good they were playing the whole of an album that year uh 20 what that was it the satanist is that when he did the, the Satanist? i think i think i think it was yeah i think, I think so yeah been, i remember seeing so that was that was that was 2016 that was like right. that was the same year um and so i said to him and i said and obviously you know you've um you've not gone been back for uh, after your illness and uh i had leukemia as well when i was a child as well so i completely relate to that and he just went oh and he, and he shook my hand and he just Flipped went yeah yeah like and then I said, so do you find that that has affected your outlook and, and your, the way that you write or the way that you perform? And he literally sort of stopped and he just sort of like went, hmm. And you could see he was really thinking about it. Yeah, and it, considered an answer, yeah. And then, he just, and then he just said, he said, you see, see those trees over there and those birds? He said, I can see that now in the background. I can see those trees blowing in the wind and I can see those birds flying past. And I wouldn't have noticed stuff like that before. He said, I was always in autopilot when I was doing sort of press things and stuff like that. And when I'm on stage, now everything is so much more vivid. Everything is more vivid and you take everything in more and you just feel more alive in the moment when you're actually doing stuff. And he answered like that. And I'm just like, right, I don't need to say anything more. That's fine. Great. Thank you very much. Finish yeah, the interview. Cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and finished and off he went to the next one. And Tove standing there with his mouth just, and he just went, "Oh my god!" Because you my got god. it, you lightning in a bottle. That, you got that moment. That there. stuff with the with the birds and the trees was absolutely golden. Mm. That was so good because it was real. Because it was that it. moment when he was a human being, and you got a, a yeah. window into him as an artist, yeah. as a person. And that was it. And we, and we had a, we had a couple that year. As I say, I, I wasn't very happy with a lot of them, but um, Satyricon has interviewed Satyr, and again, I didn't know much about it, but because I was sort of going in fresh, I wanted to talk to him about when he started talking, he was talking about the scene in Norway and about how he likes to help up and come in bands. And I was like, Oh, so I told him about our new blood stays, told him about metal masses and then talked to him about up and coming bands. And he, he didn't seem to be, have been asked, he just didn't really yeah, yeah. his answers and stuff like that. And again, Toph was just sort of like, that was really good. That was just, he said, because we, when we went on, we, it was on the um, the Gibson bus, you know, where they had the bus yes, there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, so it was on there, so it's really nice air-conditioned bus and everything like that. So while we were setting up the cameras were going in there, I said to Tove, I think we're really going to struggle with this one. I don't know anything about this guy's band. I don't, right. know, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then, well, uh, and that was with Michelle as well, was looking after me. She said, you've got five minutes, tops. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a 13-minute interview, and when he walked out of there, he said, Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. And then he walked out and Tove just went, fuck me, you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even know. It's funny, no, you, mentioned I mean, it. it's funny, funny you mentioned them because I was his last interview of the day. So mm. Shell had, put, had, had, had he, was, he was finished out and he goes, do you, do you, want, to, you want five minutes? And I was like, yeah, you know, you just say yeah. Yeah, sure. And we didn't talk anything about music. Yeah. Um, 
we were talking about cats for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and that was my in. And I think it's something along the lines of, I, I, I don't know how we got started. I said, what, did, what are you missing right now? Because it's tough being out, out for so long. He said, I just miss me cats. And I said, you know what? So do I. And I showed him a picture of me two cats at the time. <laughs> and, he, and we were just, and it was this wonderful moment where it was like, and then yeah. uh, about two minutes before the end, we, he, he opened up about the, the didn't, he was doing an, um, uh, they were doing a live production with an orchestra or something that was coming up for for DVD, and and it was just wonderful because he was like you could see he was just he, he completely opened himself up because he was like this person's yeah. really genuine, and and yeah. I can be myself or as close proximity as I can to to myself with him, and that disarming thing I've seen on a lot of your interviews, I think you have that you don't, you maybe don't even realise like Toe saying you know you're really good at this I don't think you realise that you have a wonderful disarming nature. I've seen it with, with people. I mean, I've seen, and I will not mention this person's name, but I've seen a person who notoriously difficult to interview and quite spiky. You being, I think it's the second or third to last interview. And him literally turning on a dime from talking to one person and being very closed and very, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Coming to you and opening up like a flower mate. And it was lovely to see. <laughs> and he did that because you have that disarmament ability, which, like I say, comes all, all the time. The threads of this are all from because you genuinely love it. Now, what the reason, the reason I bring that up again is because there's people out there who want to, be, want to do this for a living, want to re- review music, want to interview people and stuff and, and, and work at festivals and all this type of thing. And often on the show, I try to give people a real insight into what that world is like. You know, if they're a tour manager, what that really is like if you're... A base tech, what that really is like if you if you're a merch guy or girl, what that really is like. And the often thought thing about people who uh interview bands is that they basically turn up, do 10 minutes of an interview, and then get drunk in the green room and do everything's free for them. And, hmm. and it's not yeah. like that. It's it, been a lot it, of that. The, you, I, I was getting up and I didn't even I'd had a quarter of not even a quarter of the amount of interviews you had. I was getting up early in the morning, like really early, like seven, eight o'clock in the morning to get into the press tent to get everything set up. It takes up the whole day. And like you said, you know, you would often divvy up who was going to see what. Oh, I really want to see so and so. Uh I want to see this band, okay. And you would maybe see really two or three out of out of all the bands playing, out of the hundred oh, yeah. bands playing, you would see two or three. Yeah, that's bands. it. That's the way that plans go. Yeah, we plan in advance. I mean, for example, for, funnily enough, Conjurer are a prime example. That yeah. that this year, twenty sixteen, we really wanted to go and see Conjurer because I I'd known them for for quite a few years mm-hmm. anyway. Price was uh, was a good mate of mine. He's on the bass then as well, and knew Brady yeah. very well as well. Um, and they'd won our Metal to the Masses, and I knew as soon as they entered Metal to the Masses, they were going to win it. It was yeah. it was you know, it was just one of them where you're just thinking, right, okay, if you could bet on it, they're then you would. Yeah, yeah. But, but that was one that we had on our list as we're going to go and watch them. So mm. we were literally just sort of, you know, putting our, taking our cameras down and that lot and just to put them back in the tent to go and watch Conjurer. When um, Ollie came over uh, from AC and said, um, right, yeah, you guys have Bloodstock TV, right? I was like, yeah. He says, yeah, are you ready for Mastodon? And we were like, what? <laughs> didn't, didn't get Mastodon. Because I, I didn't, I didn't get a reply back. I, I'd asked for them. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was like, yeah, he said, you're, you're on the list, Bloodstock TV. I was like, what, now? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. So I'm like, right, okay, so I've grabbed the camera. And he's just sort of like, well, do you know anything about him? I went, no. Nope. Then, and then like, headlining. You know, this is our first, so obviously this is our first year here, right? So we had um, Twisted Sister on the Friday, yes, Master yeah. on the Friday, Slayer on the Sunday. Slayer, like one last year. We got told straight away we weren't going to get 
um, we weren't going to get Slayer and we weren't going to get Gajira. We got right. told that way because they were only going to do two interviews um, and it was like the BBC and Scuzz, I think. Yeah, Daniel P. Carter was there and stuff. Yeah, and he, yeah, he and things like that. that. Or, yeah. or, or Metal Hammer or whatever, but it wasn't us. Mm. So it was like, fair enough. So we already got that. Uh, we tried for Twisted Sister and didn't get anything back. So we hadn't got any of the headliners. And obviously, my first year is, so I wasn't expecting to get one. And then all of a sudden, you've got Mastodon. And I'm like, fuck. So I don't know Mastodon, don't know anything about them. Uh, we get taken backstage to the to the port cabins for the first time. We'd never been back backstage before. Yeah. So we in, they put us into this room and they're like, right, just set your cameras up here and Bill Kelleher will be in in a minute. And I'm just like, right. So whilst I sent up the camera, I'm on Facebook trying to get a, <laughs> trying to find out anything that I can find to talk to this guy about. Um, and you know, and we did it and it went all right. It was good. Mm. It was it was uh, very happy with the interview. Um, ended up okay. Um, and that was it. So we got our, we had, we interviewed one of the headliners our first year there, but we didn't know we were going to be. So it meant we missed Conjure. And that's the, that's the high wire act that goes on backstage. Like, look, oh, yeah. you know, it, yeah. we, we both know you can make all the plans in the world, but it just, it, it becomes unraveled in an instant. Like when you, you're sitting yeah. there interviewing someone else. And so I've had this happen. You're sitting there doing an interview with a group of people. Someone will come in in your ear. Whilst you you listen to a reply from someone, and they'll go, so so and so is going to be uh, going to be ready in a second. Okay, to grab you and quickly go over there, and, and you you, you, yeah. you it's a maelstrom of yeah, like well, you have to you have to do it around. though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's, the, the priorities do happen. I mean, you've got. Yeah. A, I, I've had a few bands, especially when they're sort of new blood bands, and they just be like hanging around. You can see them in the background, and they're desperate, and you just said, yeah, I'll try and squeeze you in later on. Mm. But the next minute, you know, some megastar will come and sit down, and they're yeah. just like, okay wait we're fine thanks very much and there, are, <laughs> so there is a there is a sort of pecking order of it but for me it's it's, it's all about you know as i say I, I i'm just as happy to interview to, to interview anyone really the only the only really sort of mad one that we got was dave mustaine because that was yeah. that, i couldn't believe we got that 2017 so yeah so with that one we were um again it was backstage and uh when we went back at our allocated time he was still doing another interview uh when we went back i was fine we then had to wait 25 minutes by which time i was a nervous wreck so we go in there and we're setting up and while we're setting up the thing we're setting up the cameras and we had the, we had two cameramen um then um so they're setting up the cameras and i'm just sort of sitting here and i'm just looking down at my notes now like dave mustaine comes in hey how you doing shakes my hand sits down next to me I'm just, okay i'll just <laughs> for a second um and he's sitting down there and uh we had well one of the things that i'd done for the press tent that year you may remember was the my name is badges. Yes. so i'd taken them in as a as a laugh uh, yeah. and i had my name is squatter so yeah they go, um, keep talking because I, i'm just gonna rummage behind me because i think i have that Give, keep talking i'm, I'm still, still listening i'm just gonna rummage a bit still got it jesus still, so, I, uh, I keep all the shit like hold on and it's it's around i definitely have it yeah so basically just for those that don't know, everybody is, it sometimes doesn't know everybody. Most of the time you do, you know, there's certain faces you do know. But all you're looking for is people to kind of talk with. Oh, you've got so-and-so at three o'clock and I've got him at half three. And Squatter had made these like like it was a fucking AA meeting. And like, <laughs> my, my name is, and on these, on these, and give them out to anybody. And they were fucking super useful for me, super no, useful. They were very, very helpful. Because I said, well, you say that, that year, the 2016, mm. um, that was your first year in the press tent. It was my first yes. year properly in the press tent, really. Yes. I'd, I'd had access to it before uh, the year before in 2015, but just with my dictaphone. So all the interviews I'd done 
yeah. I hadn't really done that many, and they'd nearly all been with New Blood bands. So they'd been out and about and dotted, and, and we didn't have our sofas then because Scuzz were there. So Scuzz had the, the sofas on the right. gazebo. We've now got those. We we when Scuzz stopped doing the interviews at the festival, we inherited those. So we've we've had the uh, the sofas in the gazebo, but but it was all very sort of you know um, uh, r no one really knew each other. So anyway, I've got this got this name badge on. Oh so shit! You've got the name badge on with Mustaine. No, no, no! I've got the name badge on with my name is Squatter. So Dave Mustaine goes. Uh, he goes. He goes. Squatter. I don't want, so what's that? And this is before the camera's rolling. He says, what, he said, where's that name from? Squatter. Uh, I said, well, actually, it's, it's from a Derek and Clive sketch of there. He said, I don't know if you remember, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, I know they are. I said, well, they had like a sort of uh, an X-rated uh, or R-rated to you, uh, like double act sort of thing as well. And they did this <laughs> this sketch called Squatter and the Ants, and Squatter Madras was the thing on it. And I just used it as a DJ name. And he's just like, Squatter. Mm, okay. <laughs> I can see Topher while he's sitting at the camp, just his head's gone. I can't believe that he's asking you where Squatter comes from. So again, we start off and we did the interview. And again, I'm doing my usual sort of jumping around here and there. And I got the same as I did with Nurgle. I had a question that I was kind of wanting to ask. And I wasn't sure if it went that way, I'd go for him. I didn't. Uh, and, then, and then we've been talking about, they were doing this like Megadeth boot camp. And it was very fan-oriented. Fans would go and that's pay a bloody fortune for a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and they'd spend time with the fans and Dave Ellison would do, you know, lessons and things like that. Mm. And just saying, you know, so I said to him, I said, you know, you've got all this sort of fan fan based stuff and that sort of thing. And I said to him, you know, you, you've got a got a reputation as being a, you know, a bit sort of grumpy and difficult to work with and that. I said, but I'm not really sort of finding that. And yeah. and you know, and he and he almost sort of like went uh right okay that's quite a brave it is quite a brave well, question it, it, it was and that was why i wanted to ask it because i thought he's not going to get asked that very often no one's gonna yeah don't go asking it so that's why i went to do it so i was like okay so i asked him and he went well he says that's where you get the reputation versus the reality he said so he says uh, don't get me wrong he says if i'm busy then you mm. know might be a bit short with people or stuff like that he said but if i don't like you i'll you know i'll tell you to go fuck yourself and i'm just like well Hopefully we're not at that stage by the end of the year. <laughs> no, he says, no, no, you're fine. He says, you're fine. You're good. You're good. But I'm good with Dave Mustaine. Okay, that will do for me. Thanks very much. So we, we finished it. And, and the other thing about that one as well, something I've never, ever had, was that the, the press guy said to us, you've got 10 minutes with him. He said, you have mm. 10 minutes on the dot from when the camera starts rolling. Yeah. He says, if you go one second over, I will put my hand over your camera. was exactly what yeah. he said. Yeah. So, I said to Toph, give me a finger up to when I've got a minute left. Give us a wind up, yeah, yeah. So, so I did that, he gave me a minute, and I sort of like, so, so, so I started winding it down, and Dave was saying, oh yeah, yeah, I saw the finger, I saw the finger. <laughs> so we finished it off and that sort of thing, and then, and then off he went. Um, and Toph showed me the camera, and it had 0959 on it. <laughs> yeah, what a pro, what a <laughs> yeah, pro. Yeah, absolutely, well, I've that. That's the other thing that, that like maybe people don't realise, it sounds obvious, but I'm sure that people who don't realise is that, uh, someone as famous uh, and famous outside of metal as well as someone like Dave Mustaine or someone like Lars Ulrich, who's who's known outside of metal, you know, is known outside, who's incredibly famous. It, their time is literally chopped up all the way through the day. There's not there's not a period of the day, a day where it says three hours, sit off and do nothing. When they're no. out touring, every 
like ounce of, of it is ring dry from them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're pillar to post. It'll be like, you've got this interview, then you've got this interview, this, every, and it, they're knocked around. So, you know, that press person isn't being a dickhead saying that. They've no. got to kind of get, they've got a list yeah, of people got to, to get it. through. And if, and if you, they're late, late by 10 minutes with you, that could mean that their sound check is late, for example. You yeah. know, it, it has a massive effect. So it's not them being a dickhead. That happens a lot. But the way you know, the way I always knew it won in an interview where I'd made it and I've been accepted by the person I was interviewing was when it overran and the press person would cut try to cut them off and they would keep going. I always yeah. uh, I always used to enjoy that. I remember see I remember interviewing Vinny Vinny Paul God rest his soul uh, with, with Hell Yeah and I was the last interview of his day. I mean I'll t I tell a longer story on one of the podcasts about this the one where to remember Vinny and essentially I was the last interview and. Um, before I was getting, I was like two before, and it was this is like first thing in the morning in a, in, a, in a high rise, sort of like a big build, lovely building in Covent Garden. And when I went in, everybody was having breakfast, and at the very end of the breakfast sort of table was a silver salver with like uh, little sort of cups with brown liquid in, Crown Royals, uh, Black Tooth Grins. And I thought, no one's going to drink that this morning. No one's going to touch it because it's fucking 10 o'clock in the morning. I was like, yeah. if I'm going to ingratiate myself with Vinnie Paul, I'm drinking that. And so I went up, and I thought, and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? And I drank it, and as I put it down, I looked over, and there he is. And he does the most Vinnie thing of all. He just tips the cowboy hat. And, instead, <laughs> and, and then so I'm sitting there having the interview, and it goes way longer. I'm talking 20 minutes, half an hour. And his press person comes up and says, Vinnie, you know, that's it now. This is the last one for a press one. And he just basically said to the, to, to the girl, he was like, well, yeah, we're, we're done for today. Now I'm just talking to me mate. That's what he says. To him, just talking <laughs> to me mate. Or we friends. It's just something my buddy. I think he said just talking to me buddy. And I, my head exploded because, yeah, like you say, the real essence of this is that these people are normal be people. The human beings with frailties and things going on and all that type of stuff, just like us. And all we're trying to show is that you know this is the person that makes this beautiful art. That you know would just kind of give a little bit of an insight into the world. So it was 2017 when you kind of, was there a conversation between you and Cy after 2016 when he was like, right, you're the guy doing it, or did you just turn up at them? Because it was like, you oh, are No, 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 they said, they said that they were happy with what we'd done for 2016, and then right. we started Bloodstock Radio in between then as well, because I, was, I, was I wasn't... Ask, yeah, yeah. And I had said to him, I, I wanted to, obviously, I didn't want to, I, I was very happy to work with Bloodstock, but Bloodstock's four days a year. You know, I didn't want to just be sitting around for, for the rest of the year. I wanted to still be able to promote the bands. That was what yeah, I that's yeah, yeah. The radio show for was to get the bands yeah. out there. So I wanted the vehicle to be able to do that. So that's when they, they said about Bloodstock Radio and we started doing the podcast for that in January 2017. So so that was different to what I've been doing because obviously you, it's got to be Bloodstock related. So it's got to be bands that play bloodstock or going to be playing bloodstock or metal to the masses and stuff like that so the content for that was was more restrictive and a bit tighter but it was still you know being involved and still being able to promote the bands which was the main thing that i wanted to be able to do you know hmm. did you so like um the metal to the masses is kind of for those who don't know we have listeners from other countries as well metal to the masses is essentially like it's a poor way of explaining it, I guess, but it's like a battle of the bands. It's like a, a competition that goes to like semi-finals, quarterfinals, and then a final where the people in the in the in the final get a chance to play um, the new blood stage in Bloodstock. And it's it's the the best way of an unsigned band to kind of get get in the limelight, to get more people listening to them. I don't I don't believe there's any real other 
examples of, of that much where you can play uh, do, to get to the new blood stage, do a really good job, play the new blood stage, and then go on the Sophie stage, uh, you know, and then potentially, you know, who knows, go from beyond, you know. Uh, it's sort of like Tenton Slug, go all the way from playing small places to playing to play. I think things seen this is Turin playing the Sophie stage and stuff like that. It's the perfect example of if you if you it's like the it's like the FA Cup of 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 metal bands. You can be yeah. a, a lower t- lower T club club, but if you play uh, well enough, you can get to the, the big leagues, if you will, of Bloodstock. And that's one of the things I was I was interested to get your take on this before we talk about the, the sort of the, the, the years up and coming and then obviously to where we are now. One of the things I tell a lot of bands that do go to Bloodstock and play there is to is to make sure that you are professional outside of being you should be a good band. You should that goes without saying you should play well, have songs, have your shit together. That goes without saying. But you should also use it as a good example of what it's like to be a signed band and how you should act and how you should act with the press and how you should act from an interview point of view. And you should go and introduce yourself to these people and, and be polite and be professional because this is a, it's a precursor to when you become famous, you know, and, and I've always, I've always tried to extol the virtues of doing that to a young band that go in, and, and win and go further from metal to the masses, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that certainly from my point of view, the, the things that I've taken from metal to the masses and the advice that I've given to bands over the years, the professionalism is definitely a thing because it is based on whether you're a good band and whether you do that. But if you've got two really good bands and you've got to choose between one or the other, then you're going to choose the one that was professional. You're going to choose the one that had a problem on stage and managed to banter with the with the crowd while they were getting it sorted or someone did a little solo on his own or something like that. Because what you've got to do is, and the way that I've always looked at it, and I, I've been asked to judge a few of the Metal to the Masses finals at times when Simon was, because we, we, as we got more and more of them, Simon needed to be in two places at once. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to judge it purely because um, I, I almost, I, I don't have a musical ear for it. I don't have a, you know what I mean? I don't. I can't tell if it's a good guitarist or a good drummer or anything like right. that. I either like it or I don't. That's why I don't write reviews because I can't pick up stuff like that. I haven't got a musical ear for it. And mm-hmm. I ever, you, you, in order to be a judging a band to be able to say, I think they should play Bloodstock. I think I'm, I'm all right doing it in the earlier rounds, but when when it's the actual final and you're choosing who needs to go, I've always thought I'd, I'd prefer it to be. You know, someone needs to have that knowledge as well. And what I'm what they're looking for is basically festival-ready bands, someone that they can pick up and put down on the New Blood stage and know that they're going to do it. And that includes things like timekeeping. So, you know, it's a half-hour slot at a festival. It's a half-hour slot. That is it. If you start, if you if you run over, you get cut off. You've got a half-hour slot, and that is it. So they need to be able to good at timekeeping. They need to be able to banter with the crowd. They need to be able to to engage the crowd and stuff like that. So it is about musicianship, but there's also a million other different things. So I've got an example. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but I was on uh, Facebook at stupid o'clock in the morning. Some band, uh, some some guy comes on and he posts something like, uh, absolute joke, we've been jibbed out of Metals of the Masters again, it's so corrupt, bloody blah, X, Y, Z. Um, it's an absolute fix, we're never entering it again, all this sort of stuff. And this is at like two or three in the morning. So I replied to it and I just said, listen, uh, it's not. And this is at the time when I was not, I think it was maybe like 2015, something like that. So I wasn't really, you know, seen as being someone that worked for Bloodstock or did stuff yeah. for Bloodstock. 
I was just like someone that's a fan of metal to the masses and you know it's run yeah. by friends of mine and I know for a fact it's not corrupt the thing you've got to remember with metal to the masses if you've got 30 30 regions where you've got um probably in london about 60 bands taking part down to some of the small quieter ones where you might have sort of 20 yeah 15 20 start yeah. off yeah. then you're probably looking at 300 350 bands taking part in that yeah. now if you're saying that someone's going to rig it so that out of those three to get those 30 bands that they want to play the festival it's meant just it's crazy you know it's, it's just a ridiculous I, I, I interviewed Simon Hall about exactly and we talked about exactly this thing about like how there's no one twisting their fucking moustache planning the, the these small no. bands it, it does no we just want we just want we just want good bands we just yeah. want good bands at the festival it, you there's know no... I'll, give you, I'll give you the spoiler if you're one of those bands that disillusioned and thinks that there's some kind of Machiavellian thing going on with Bloodstock right maybe you didn't win because your band wasn't as good as another band on that night and that's yeah. it and that's it you know so what do you do you just re-enter then and just get better don't see it it's not a negative just get better you know what i mean yeah. it's, it's well, seen... on any given night you might you might just not be as good as another band we've seen it where you see a band and you watch the set um maru were a good example in liverpool where you just watch the set and you're like no one's going to touch that. No one's going to touch that. And it's like, they deserve to win, and, and, that's, and that's how it works, and it's, that's how it should be. Yeah. To think that there's some kind of, like, everybody always assumes that with any kind of competition, for a winner guitar, to win a fucking car, or whatever it is, there's always going to be someone who doesn't win that car and goes, right, well, it's a fix then. And it's like, you know what? It just, it just isn't. Bloodstock, but Metal to the Masses in particular, is one of the last bastions of a band going from being unsigned to playing on a large stage in front of potentially hundreds potentially thousands of people it is one of the last bastions of that being able to and if you start going around start throwing the things that you think it's being fixed or anything like that you'll destroy that it needs to be you know that you need to be supported if you didn't get through ante up and just go in on the next time and just keep going at your arse it's as simple as that it's just you just mm. gonna keep going at your art, but you're always gonna get some people who who's ever posted anything of any weight on Facebook at two o'clock in the fucking morning. No one <laughs> yeah. has. You should turn it off. Yeah. You should turn it yeah. off. You know, yeah. it's ridiculous, but you are always gonna get that dissension. And yeah, you know, with and that with that band there, the, the irony with that one was that I say this guy went on there. I I replied to him and said it's not fixed. He then messaged me, private messaged me, and he just said, "Listen, mate." so-and-so you know we were the best band in it the sound guy said we should have won the so-and-so said we should have won all this sort of thing i know this i know that the other and then when and then he went next morning his public post is gone but obviously i still got the conversation so i messaged it to simon just just so as you know this band he put this on facebook last night this is what happened so simon got in touch with the promoter the promoter comes back and says oh that's interesting because that band uh, this is in one of the heats, by the way. It's not in the final. This not is in the finals, yeah. earlier rounds. Um, and they said, well, actually, that band, they were top of our list of wild cards to go. They would have been going in, in the final. So that if he hadn't gobbed off about it, then he'd be, yeah. his band would be in the final because yeah. they're pretty good. In fact, there were three judges and the promoter voted for them and the other two voted for the band that won it on the night. So the yeah. promoter, was actually a big fan of theirs but they had slagged off the promoter in this post 
They were saying that it was the the promoter that's actually voted for them to go through. So it just goes to show mm. I've always, always be gracious about it. Just take be it, gracious, yeah. Just congratulate the winners, get on with it. You're allowed yeah. to be disappointed, but yeah. to be sensible about it. Yeah. And reap the rewards, you know? Mm. And then you get bands like uh, Tent on Slug, Ramage Inc., um, uh, Mortis Head, who have won Metal to the Masses mm. and then have back they don't just walk and leave it behind them they'll come back and they will promote the metal to the masses mortis took over running it in bristol the year after it in 2015 it didn't happen in 2016 because there was no one to run it so in 2017 they were like right there's no one to do it we'll do it we've never Mm. promoted in our life but we're a band let's give it a go yeah they've run it since then in bristol and they are very um, very socialist band actually they're very much about you know throwing the ladder down behind them and pulling bands up with them as well we interviewed yes. them last year when they played on the sophie stage and, mm-hmm. and they were they're brilliant very very good at that but uh them say tent on slug ramage inc again um the other thing that people might not know is that what we what we'll always do now it's become more uh, a bit of a tradition is we will pick one of the new blood bands to open the festival the following year yes on the so- yeah so the Thursday is that that prime spot of opening the festival where you've got a captive audience. You're the only mm. band playing. You're the first band on the festival. So you've got a full Sophie tent. And Ramage Inc. got to do that in uh, 2017. They played uh, New Blood 2016. And then they're coming back again to play the Sophie higher up yes. uh, 2020, in, in 21. They were supposed to be playing 2020. Now yeah. they're playing 21. Um, and then you've got uh, Cambion, Bloodshot Dawn, and it's going to be Conjurer, who have won Metal to the Masses and then yes. played the stage at bloodstock so it is it is a genuine way of doing it and mm. as i say whenever anyone says where are the next headlines coming from they're coming from the new blood tent at bloodstock that is where they are coming from because they have to be it's exactly no I, 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 did, I was asked to do metal to the masters and be uh, a compare of if you will and um one of the first things i said i give a very real situation i was like you can play this tonight which means that if you win here tonight you go on to this and I walked people through the stages of them eventually playing the New Blood stage and then beyond to play in the main stage. I walked through yeah. a very real thing. It, it, these things aren't unattainable. And the only barriers quite often, unfortunately, is the bands themselves. Like you, you said something really, really interesting there where you were like, we're looking for a festival-ready band. That can be extrapolated and actually kind of built upon. Even a band like a label or, or a management company aren't, looking for someone they have to pour a load of time into they're looking for a finished act that they can help you know you you don't you're not looking for someone who's like well we don't know what we're doing and we need all the help we can get you're not looking for that we're looking for someone who's who's complete that we can help the next stage to get you don't you a management company aren't looking for someone they have to kind of fill out all the blanks for they're looking for something you can work alongside with it's a partnership it's not it's not it's, it's 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 very much a sort of symbiotic relationship I've seen it tons of times of bands play uh, festival sets and they overrun, which is one of the biggest crimes, um, or they're dickheads to the, the, the crew, probably the biggest crime, or they're dickheads to other bands, definitely one of the biggest crimes. And I see it time and time again, and I've, I've stood there and watched it and think to me, thought to myself, you're not going to get asked back. You, you, you don't realise yet, but you, you, see, you see it yourself, mate. You'll see them, these bands just torching the bridges and you'd be like, yeah. I wish you, 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 I wish you. And sometimes you can get to those bands and say, listen, you know, you, you know, this person's going to interview you, or you can just just behave yourself and you know, try and try and act like a pro. Tell us all the bands I've worked with, 
and sometimes you listen and sometimes you don't but it's always interesting when you see the lineups especially when you see all the lineups all over europe and stuff and the same bands are turning up on these smaller stages and why because a they're fucking brilliant but b they're really good to work with because when you're running a festival there are so many variables and so many things that can go wrong the last thing you need is someone acting like a dickhead and like you said yeah. when you're in that that press tent everybody has to work together so and so set gets cancelled it gets moved it changes everybody's interview time together so you have to work with them you have to work with yeah. these people and one of the most interesting things i ever seen at bloodstock was devin townsend set and he was late coming on um and he's not going to get bumped at all he's not going to get this time moved on because he's, he's you know it's almost semi headlining um and he had a ton of technical problems a ton of them and he maybe lost i would say about 20 minutes of his set 15 20 minutes which is lifetime for, for, for devon townsend and he comes out and he does stand up essentially for about five or ten minutes while he try and rectify these problems and then once they do and it's like 15 20 minutes of his set lost he's obviously jostled around this set in his mind so he knows what he's doing and he goes off stage and he says to the crowd, he says, when I come back on, pretend we're coming out for the first time ever. <laughs> and, and he walks out and the crowd was one of the biggest pops I've ever seen at Bloodstock. And he went and played the set all 10 minutes, 12 minutes of it, whatever it was. And yeah. the reason that worked is because he's, he knows the score. He knows that that's yeah. how you deal with those things. You don't throw your toys out the pram. You don't, you know, you yeah. don't kick off. You don't say, well, I'm not going on. I've only got 10 minutes. You work with it. And that's the very nature of, of, of certainly the, the the business of 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 interview and, and being sort of part of the press side of it is working together to make it work all we all want is for the festival to be seen in a really good light in a really positive experience for those to go to see it and the content to be interesting you know and that only help only works when everybody works together and that's why it was so tough i think this year that you know almost inevitably it, it gets it gets rescheduled to next year um that was it's heartbreaking because you see all these festivals sort of stop back in Hellfest and you see them kind of stop and you, you kind of almost know that that you know the bloodstock's gonna be up there and it and it's tough and it's really really challenging. Um what's your thought what's your I mean it's a big question, Squatter, but what's your thoughts on on cancelling now? I mean we have to do it. Um you know it seems as well like what's been fantastic some of the stuff vicky's been posting a, a, a lot of bands have just simply just moved that year over and been really no, accommodating um, and yeah. moved tours around and everything which is, i mean certainly devon devon's a perfect example it, it giving him the headline and slot and and, and he, he it was looked like it was so important to him as well for him to move that because these people are planning two or three years ahead that was such yeah. a, a a thing to do that he had so much respect for the for the for the scene and for the, the festival itself but what was your thoughts on on cancellation to to bitter pill, isn't it? Yeah, well, we knew we knew it was coming for a while. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I am, you know, I am not in any way in the know with things. You know, I used to ask yeah. for, for information of when we were doing announcements and stuff like that for the podcast, so that I could leave some space to talk about it. But I very rarely get told which bands are going to be announced, and most of the time they're they're news to me. I got I got told some of them, but not like sometimes if like, there's a band that's touring, for example, yeah, then go and interview them because they're, they're going to be announced. So they'll, they'll let me know those, those situations. But for most of the time, I, I don't know. And, and most of the time I say, when you, when you look at last year where we had to close the main stage because of the wind. So we had to close the main stage and we had to move cradle of fill to the Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, 
there's a lot of people that bought Saturday day ticket to mm. Cradle of Filth and now Cradle of Filth playing on Sunday. Most of the festivals would be sort of like, well, buy yourself another day ticket. Bloodstock will take Saturday tickets tomorrow as well. So yeah. all the Sunday people can come back tomorrow. And things like that are what make me, and that's nothing to do with me, but I know how fraught it was backstage at the time. It was yes. very intense. As I say, Simon Hall, nicest bloke in the world, really chill. We were, we were backstage between interviews getting some food and he came in very quickly to grab, to grab some grub in the tent and he was so tense. He was just so, you know, while the main stage is closed, that's a problem. They had to do it. It was dangerous. They had to put the video yeah, screen. The force, the hand was full. Yeah. The thing is, when you look at situations with Devin a few years ago and stuff like that, we had to move um, suicidal tendencies into the Sophie tent a couple of years ago and Love Bite switched onto the main stage. They know that, that the festival will do everything to try to make things happen yes. and it will only, things will only stop if they can't, they can't do anything else. But mm. that, that was just a no-brainer. Now, say, they could have made a load more money by selling day tickets for the Sunday yes. people would have come. But no, yes. they would just be like, well, what would I want to happen if it was me? If it mm. was me, I would be like, oh, my God, I can't go see Cradle of Filth. So, therefore, go back. So, there'd be a load of people that didn't go see Cradle of Filth. They weren't even asked, but they'd only got a Saturday ticket. And all of a sudden, they can yeah. go on the Sunday as well. That's amazing. Yeah. That's brilliant. But... That, for me, summed up the festival. I was so proud when I heard that's what we were doing. It's like, that's so cool. And you heard and the, the rep you get from that. They're just a feedback. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. That's exactly, that's just what a great thing to do. And then next year, we're, we're adding another day. Because we've had to cancel mm. this year, we're adding another day next year. And that's yeah. another thing the fans have been asking for for years. So it's just like, yeah, well, let's, let's give it a go then and let's see what we can do it. And I think that's one of the, 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 the most enjoyable things that I like about Plusdog. It's just the whole ethos of it all is that it's all about the fans. They're always looking at, um, uh, you know, place, more communal places for people to meet, you know, a bit of shade in case it's roasting hot where people can sit and have a chat because a lot of people, that's the only time of the year they see each other. They all meet together yes. at Plusdog. And then they all go their separate ways for the year. So when you look at all that and you look at the fact that it was our 20-year celebration as well, it was absolutely gutting. Vicky, for particular, yeah. was absolutely destroyed. Yeah. So we ended up doing this European Metal Festival Alliance thing instead. Mm. It's an online festival. It went very, very well. It wasn't yes. the same thing at all, but it did go very, very well. Mm. Uh, and it was very, very popular. And it meant that I got to do loads of interviews. I got to interview Dee Snyder and... and um, I saw Winston from Parkway and stuff like that. So I got to do some really great interviews and it sort of kept me in with it as well because mm. at the time, that's when I would have been prepping and that's when I would have been yeah, yeah. my interviews and researching my bands. And and what I, what I used to do was, which is a little bit sneaky really, was I was always try to, and this was with the Matters of the Masses bands as well, um, I'd always try to interview them on Bloodstock Radio and on the podcast mm. and then work out who's a good interview. So mm. then book them for Bloodstock TV at the festival because I've already yeah. got that history with them then as well yeah yeah as well i know which questions they answered well and, and things like that mm. and you saw that a bit of familiarity with them as well so that you you know you've already interviewed them then you know that you are oh, when we spoke a couple of months ago you were going to be yeah, doing yeah. It. How did that go so you get that sort of link up with it as well so so that worked out really well but i i think that that it was obviously uh gutting at the time that we had to do it but again unbeknownst to me i was hoping we were going to do something like what we did but um, the, i thought it was very clever the way that they that they announced the cancellation and announced the extra day yes. loads yeah. of the same bands yes. at the 
time. Unfortunately, we lost Behemoth because they've yes. got other plans. So Behemoth dropped out, but now we've got Merciful Fate instead, which everyone's been asking for for years. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and as I say, I think it was, I can't remember how many, what percentage you said, but I certainly know that I think it was 80% take up of uh, rollover tickets. So people that had tickets, yeah. did 80% of them just yeah. said, yeah, but next year that's fine, which mm. is huge, enormous. Yeah. People are struggling, you know, when the economic situation as it is because of COVID, then for people to actually just say, no, we're all right, thanks. Well, we, we know it'll all be all right next year and we'll, and we'll come next year. Um, then, then it's great. And I say they're getting the extra day as well for nothing. We've also um, the VAT, VAT uh, that, that people that, saw, the, yeah, yeah. that the government gave again. Well, we won't put the prices up then. We were going to put the prices up in September, but now we won't put the prices up until January when the VAT thing ends. So anything like that, Bloodstock will try to pass on to the fans as best they can. And I think that's that's one of the reasons I like working yeah. with them. They're such good people. Really I think fun. I think one of the things that maybe it gets like doesn't really get understood about a festival organisation is that you're a couple of years ahead booking, you're a couple of years ahead planning. Mm. The slightest ripple in the water has that massive butterfly effect of of you know, like you say, someone like Behemoth as a tour plan to, in two years, you know, and and things planned ahead of time to to keep the sort of nucleus of of bloodstock and just move to it is an incredible feat. Of planning yeah. and and I think it was clear in sort of the things that like the um, the sort of Facebook Live things that Vicky was doing and Scott uh, uh, Simon were doing and stuff about about that you could see it on their faces just how how upset they were about that and I don't see that happening in a lot of other festivals where the organisers are front and centre like you, I watched Boss Keloid and Simon all standing next to me and we're watching but mm-hmm. he's meant he's an organiser. I was watching Behemoth there. Behemoth's a good example. I watched Behemoth and Vicky standing next to me because yeah. she's watching well, Behemoth. We had it, um, yeah. well, last year, the Parkway Drive headlining when we yeah. walked. Rachel's there. Now, Rachel stays in the background a lot anyway. She doesn't go on the Facebook Lives. Yeah. Rachel stays in the office most of the weekend. and she. But Rachel runs the whole thing, really. I, you know, And Adam and Vicky will tell you this as well. <laughs> And again, Vicky will tell you this as well. Vicky's work, by the time the festival weekend comes around, her work's pretty much done because she's yeah. all the bands. She might have to shuffle things a little, around a little bit, I think, but, but she's pretty much, her work's already been done beforehand. Um, Adam and Rachel are running it at the weekend. Rachel very rarely goes out front. Partway Drive, she's out there with a grin the size of the <laughs> and, I, and I'm just so, I like Because she's a fan. Because she's a fan. Love this band. And I took a photograph of all of them out there for Megadeth that year that Megadeth had. <laughs> yeah. I was I was there in the pit. I'm standing where we can stand. And I turned round and Paul Gregory and his partner Ruth was there. Uh, Adam uh, and his Mrs. Amanda. Vicky and Alan were there. Rachel was there. And they were all just there. All just it. having that photo. Best photograph I've taken at first stop because it proves that that is yeah. what they're there for. They're there. Yeah. fans for the fans. They're metal fans. And, and that's what makes the place so magical. That's what makes Completely. it so cool. It reminds me a lot of um, of Wacken in, in Germany. Uh, it's a similar... I mean, that's that's huge now, but yeah. it, it, it's it's ran by by people who with a genuine love. And I think yeah. that, I think for me now, Bloodstock I see as, uh, as the home show. I think I said that at the top of this podcast. It's like, I, I, it's for me, it's going home because it's when I see all my friends. It's yeah. all these crew and people that I know. And, and, you know, even if it wasn't 
go working, I would go to go there. It's it's just a yeah. place, it's a communal area. Well, the thing is, a lot of the bands say that as well. They interviewed yeah. Paradise Lost for that thing, and they were like, yeah, yeah, we go every year anyway. Whether if we're not touring, then we go. You know, yeah. they actually go every year. You know, the evil scarecrow guy on the on the very, yeah, very the house band <laughs> The very odd occasion they're not playing, then they're there as. Yeah. But, and that and that is what it is, and that's what you get with it, and you get mm. that sort of, um, that that feeling that, and, and that's and that's why it was so massive. And I said when I when I spoke to Winston Party, he said the only the only thing that is that is different about this is that it's not just you that are missing out; everyone's missing out. So yeah. you've got that sense of camaraderie, and that we're all in this that's together. The word, yeah. mm. But it's not as if the festival is going on and you weren't able to go. Everyone else is there enjoying themselves. Mm. It's literally no one can go so there yeah. is that there's still that sort of solidarity in that in the mm. all gutted and we're all missing it but it does mean that next year is going to just be the Good. biggest Judas priest i mean just oh could you could it couldn't be it couldn't honestly the lineup is it, it, just incredible i'm a huge priest fan as you know but it's it, yeah. it's uh, interesting that you, we, we were talking then about you know, in terms of winston from parkway and wasn't it interesting to see um them headline because I remember yeah. when it got announced, and I was like, "That's that's a really interesting choice," and I'm not interested in a bad way. Uh, good, you know. So I was like, "That makes actually makes sense." I think, and I was looking forward to them. And their sets fabulous, and I would I would suggest everybody check out the the, the things that are online about that. Uh, but that was for some was considered a risk. Was with yeah, it was absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, we spoke to Winston again. It's on the the TV uh, YouTube channel. We 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 did get some chat very very quick, literally outside the tour bus at the back behind the stage is what it <laughs> was. They often are, yeah. We actually grabbed him, but uh, but yeah, um, and and I, I did say that to him. You know that, that obviously it was seen as a bit of a marmite um, thing. There was a lot of people. Uh, I said to him in the interview actually, there was a guy that I know from London who said. Uh, uh, oh screw you, blood! So it's oh, shit. I'm going to brutal assault instead. And then two weeks later, they were announced as headlining brutal assault as well. So, <laughs> so that was quite funny. Um, but but yeah, I, I must admit when uh, the thing is, I said to you right at the top of the thing about me missing out mm. um, a lot of bands because I when I came back into it and when I joined the radio station, I was focusing on the smaller bands. I don't know a lot of these bands, so when you know. I can remember when Within Temptation were announced as headliners, right. I'd literally never heard of them. I'd never even heard the band's name mentioned, and they're being announced as headlining the mm. festival I work at. So that's that's where I'm at, really. So I'm not an encyclopedia of, of music or metal at all. Parkway, I'd never even heard. Right. I'd never listened to a bit of them, but I had a sort of vision of them in my head as to what they would be, and they're not what I thought they would be. So I'd um, I'd played a I played a bit of their music on Bloodstock Radio in in the lead up. Obviously, um, I hadn't interviewed them. Uh, there was a girl who I uh, hooked up with over in Germany called Marina, who did a couple of interviews for us last year, and she interviewed Winston when they played Munich uh, for us, and we played that on the show. So I hadn't actually interviewed them or anything, but got on really great with him backstage, and I just really liked the way that he was just sort of like, yeah, yeah, we're fine, we're here, and it was just sort of like you know. Uh, and he says, he says it's sort of like, you know, it's a bit of a controversy. So he said, well, nobody told us. Nobody told us. Here, we'll do it. So when they when they started, I was over with my girlfriend last year, and we were both... So so headliners, um, the headliners that have been there since I've been you know, working and going to Bloodstock, if they're thrashed, then I'll watch them. We've got Megadeth, we've got Slayer. I'll definitely stay and watch all of them. Most of the others, I'll watch some of, and then because we've been interviewing all day, it's a working weekend, as you've said, 
then yeah. I'll generally watch a few bits and then, yeah, there you go, see them for a bit. And then you go and pack up your stuff or you're going to have a few drinks in VIP while it's quiet in there uh, and everyone's out watching the headliners you'll sort of clear up a little bit ready for the next day maybe do a bit of preparation for the next day if it's if it's the friday or the saturday uh, or wander over to sophie or just do stuff like that yeah. but part way i watched every minute of their set i stayed and watched all of it because i thought they were brilliant and my girl really enjoying them as well and we were just like there you go and that's the first headline set that i've watched uh, where it's a band where i don't really know them but i'll give them a chance and i'll look at them and yeah. i've ended up watching all of them i think i watched all Judas when they played uh, 2018 uh, because it's Judas uh, but um, in terms of an actual sort of band that I didn't really know before um, they, they really hooked me and really got me engaged so um, and the thing is that that is for me what Bloodstock's about we've had Ghost we've had Trivium we've had Within Temptation we've had bands yeah. that you would not see headlining other festivals but you have to do that mm. so mm. I think we've got into a sort of a, and again you talk to Vicky and you'll do interviews with Vicky and she'll tell you as booking bands is so many factors go into it. Some of them are in the studio, some of them are touring, some of them are too expensive, some of them aren't going to be in Europe. Um, and there's so many factors that go into it. But we've sort of seem to have got into a kind of a of our three headliners will usually have one sort of um, established sort of older band you'll mm -hmm. have that like before maybe and then you'll have a band that is kind of a you know uh, an up-and-coming band that has headlined and you, you would expect them to be headliners and then you'll have a left field one and people are like whoa really you'll always have at least one so ghost and trivium and things like that where people will be like oh yeah. okay can mm -hmm. they work headliner i guess what they do they always yeah. do so so that's it and i think that that echoes right the way up the stages it, it, it's it's part it's, of that yeah very what, one of the best things about um, when people make it to the different stages and then move up the stages and then headline and what have you and all that type of thing is that I love those sets by an artist or a band or whatever where it almost feels like they have to prove themselves. Maybe yeah. they don't think that, but the crowd do, and where they really have to deliver. And I like those yeah. moments. Gajira, perfect example of that playing. Oh, yeah. and some, that was one of the best sets of music that I've ever heard. But it very yeah. much, you, you watch that set and thoughts, there is no way they appear in any lower in the bill anywhere on the planet ever again because of that one well, like performance. The, well, like, yeah, 2016, where, when we were doing all those in hundreds of interviews, we asked bands, you know, who are you looking forward to seeing? Gajira, Gajira. We actually went and got one of the EMP inflatable hammers and wrote Gajira on it so that if someone said Gajira, we were hitting <laughs> on there. That's the <laughs> because everyone was saying Kajira, Kajira, Kajira. Yeah. And um, Acid Rain were headlining the Sophie stage after them. So so Kajira were playing on the on the uh, uh, on the main stage uh, before Mastodon, and then Acid Rain were headlining. And H uh, from Acid Rain yeah. was was enjoying Kajira that much that he had to go because he would have used all his energy up. He literally <laughs> had to walk away from their set because yeah. it was so good. That he wanted to keep his own energy up to be able to do that and they absolutely killed it they were so good that year and, and, and it was like they say an example of where they really had to like people like well it's gujira we've got a really good clutch of albums by them they they should be good and they were and it was one of those ones where you it's like i tell you what it's like it's like what you when you see a band playing metal to the masses in a small club and then you see them playing in new blood stage and it feels like the it's like you're your proud father almost. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I've had that with so many of the bands. I've had that no. with so many 
year, the metals of the masses bands, ridiculous amounts, you know. So all all of the band in 2015, I say that year that I saw them all. Yeah. Um, the likes of Deified and Mortis Head, a band called Black and Ritual from Glasgow, yeah. and Anna from Ireland. Um, there's so many of them for that year that I just almost see as being, and every time I see them doing well, or putting yeah. out, I'm always just really, really, uh, you do definitely get that 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 thing if mm. you want to do well. I mean, Chrysler played on the main stage last year, and I've got Fabulous, to be- yeah, fabulous. And again, awesome band. Um, but that's kind of what you want, and again, the, th the thing is that what you'll find is if you, when you talk to Kajira, when we interviewed, we interviewed Joe from Kajira when they headlined, and they are very, very grateful to Bloodstock for giving them that opportunity. Mastodon were as well. Mastodon was their first yeah. headline. Yeah, and they yeah. were just like, we're really grateful to Bloodstock for giving us a chance. Parkway, Winston, we're really grateful to them. And um, Kajira particularly, I mean, the, the Kajira interview, coming back to something you were saying earlier on about the, the sort of disarming sort of effect. Yeah, so, yeah were late Kajira were, were late we, we had the slot booked for them and then it was going on and on. I'm thinking we might not get them because they've we've, they've clearly arrived late on 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 site so therefore we might not get this 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 interview mm. and then, so they only did two interviews and this this is again how it changed between 2016 and 2018 because only two interviews got given one with the BBC and one with us so the fact that we got the only other interview just shows how when they played in 2016, we got told you won't get Kajira or Slayer, yeah. but because our star had risen a little bit through 2016, 17, 18, so I was yeah. really excited that we got that. So we go back, we're sitting at the camera, uh, interviews with Joe, uh, and he's knackered. He's absolutely exhausted. They've just got there. He's literally just, you could see that he was just like, you know. So I chatted to him while we're sitting at the camera, just sort of like, say, late in, he was like, yeah, yeah. He said, we were in... Um, Holland and uh, the the ferry was late, so we yeah we've been on a ferry and we've been you know normally we fly but we needed to to get the ferry this time and that he said so he said so yeah so he says I've just got to do this one and then uh, we can go, yeah, go and get a few hours sleep before the show and stuff like that and I was like okay well we'll we'll keep it really short don't worry I've done and he went no 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 he says you do what you need to do don't don't cut it short or anything he says we'll we'll be fine and so he's just sort of like okay so so we just sort of like, we get set up so I was like ready to go so he's like, oh, so he's just like and he gets himself all sort of hmm, I'm done lift his shoulders up and stuff and he's just like there you go so just like okay so next up on bloodstock tv we're talking to joe kajira how you doing and he's just like yeah 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 we're good yeah and he was really like that. and i just said to him well you're not are you because you you're, <laughs> come on you just you just got here we've just been talking now and you've just had a real bad journey to get here and his shoulders literally just went, oh. went yeah yeah and he says he said yeah he said it's been a it's been a long day he said and uh he says but he said that's it so when you touring he says that's where it goes so we talked about touring we talked about how you're in and out of this and that and Toph said afterwards again it was just like you just literally flipped him he went yeah. he went into when we started the interview he went into full-on media mode he was just sort of like yeah, hey, yeah. a media face on and straight away you literally just flipped and he just went whoa yeah. cool, relax i can just talk and that yeah. was it chatted and we just you know it was quite a short interview uh i think about 10 15 minutes maybe, maybe 10 minutes something like that and we just got towards the end of it and I just said to him, I said, I'm going to ask you something now, which is completely just something that's just occurred to me, um, that I'm not a musician. I have no musical ability whatsoever. I said, but uh, my son is you know, not really that. He's just getting into his metal, but he can tell a Gojira song as soon as he hears it. He can tell that that's Gojira before you start singing, before anything like that. Yep. But you can search the sound. How, how do you do that? talk to a non-musician about how you do it and he yeah. talked 
of it. And he just sort of said about, hey, so well, we don't really do that. He talked about the way the tuning guitars, but he talked in, in layman's terms about it. Stuff yeah. like that. Just sort of like, okay, cheers like that. And so we finished it, and Toph is a guitarist. And he was just sort of like, oh my God, I can't believe you just got him to tell us that. And I'm just like, what do you mean? He was like, well, that's that's like giving away his trade secrets. Yeah, yeah, it's showing you behind the curtain, so, like, yeah. Well, I'm just sort of like, well, I just I just wanted to ask him how they do it, because I haven't got yeah, yeah. But I don't know how you get a sound, how you get your own sound. So I just yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. and it was just literally thrown in out of left field, but that's just sort of the way that these things go. And it was just, I mean, I, when you're as, um, when you're as old, old as me and been around like as long as I have, you get to see these bands wake up the bills. Like the first time I saw uh, Gajira, uh, they were with Trivium and they were supporting Annihilator. This was like a long oh, time ago. And, and that's yeah. where I met, Joe and, and and Matt and stuff is the, you you kind of saw them on it. So when you see them at a festival now, and you you have this, I've seen you at a show where you have this. They now you're a recognisable, friendly face now. I'm telling uh, you now that when someone goes up and when Rob Halford sees on his sheet uh, that he's going to be sitting down with you, I'm uh, sure he feels uh, a lovely no, level no, no, of comfort. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure that Rob Alfred has got no clue who I am. And we, we interviewed Richie and uh, and Scott. Oh yeah, you're Richie Volcano, yeah, yeah. But um, but and you know maybe they would. The, 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 I think the one... you would if you've. I think if they've met you once, you've like you say you've earned that kind of currency with them. I don't what know. Happens then, a... What's interesting is that you would constantly go deeper, if you will, on an interview. You'll 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 find you'll you'll get past the chit chat sort of section of it and the quick introductions, and you'll move to something more interesting. Richie, you will definitely yeah. have that. You know, you see him again next year. Well, I'm hoping. Like, I'm open with that. Your face. Yeah. Well, the funny thing with the funny thing with Judas Priest, I was desperate to get Rob Halford, and the main reason was <laughs> I had Rob Halford or Ian Hill because because they were in the band when I started listening to them, and Judas right. Priest was the band that got me into metal. My mate uh, you know, gave me the uh, Ram It Down album. Mm-hmm. Um, as it turned out, Scott Travis joined the band a year later. So Richie's obviously a lot later on, but but neither yeah. of the guys that I was interviewing had been on that album and I had in my head that I was going to be interviewing hopefully Rob Halford or Ian and yeah. therefore I could say to them you know 50 and, it, and, it, and as it turned out it was literally 30 years it was 1988 and they were right, right. so it was literally 30 years to the year and it was so perfect so I did it anyway I started the interview and I just said I've been so looking forward to this interview because Judas Priest is the art is the band that actually made me a metalhead. One of my friends gave me Ram It Down uh, 30 years ago this year in 1988. I absolutely loved it from that first scream on the title track. Yeah, Ram It Down, the opening track, yeah. Ram It Down, and I was just absolutely hooked when I said, so Judas Priest made me a metalhead. And Richie just went, that's good, we should get that on a T-shirt, yeah? <laughs> so that, that we went, we carried on the interview, we did the interview, I talked to Scott about it being like just a year later and stuff like that. And the interview went okay, and off they went. That Christmas, my girlfriend got me a T-shirt with oh. Ramit front, and Judas Priest made me a metalhead on the back. Yeah. So I'm taking that to yes, you are to take it in, into the and just say, Rich, you know, you said about the T-shirt. Look what your girlfriend got me, and that's how we'll you know, exactly, exactly. You I have mean, that, that bit. Yeah. You might remember that, you know. So. Yeah, I'm from I'm from a, a generation that grew up with Tommy Vance, um, you know, and Crusher. You know, and people like yeah. that. And these people were kind of, uh, you know, almost like gonzo journalism in so much as they, they were around these people and were friends with all these people. And therefore, an interview with, say, Crusher was more interesting to me than an interview with someone that they'd never met before because they, yeah. it was almost a different level. And I think that's what you're, 
it's it, you just are. That's what you've already established now. And I think that that's why, you know, I'm sure they see it this way. That's why you are part of that bloodstock family of, of the whole family, because you've, over the years, you've learned your craft, you've worked with them, you know, you've made some mistakes, you've done some good stuff, you've done some bad stuff. But now you've got to the level where I think you're pretty much like part of the furniture. You know, if I go to Bloodstock and if I'm working a band and I don't see you, or you're my, you're like my, my lighthouse where I'm like, fuck, at least, <laughs> at least me boys over there, I can at least have a conversation uh, with Squatter. And that listen, means seriously. so much to the scene. It means so much uh, to the know. scene. It's, it's, it's weird. It, I, 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 it's very, very difficult to hear myself being talked about in, in terms like that. It's very nice and it's very flattering, but... Yeah. Um, it's I'm the not, truth. I don't know. I'm, I'm just one of these people, I suppose, that just don't don't really blow my own trumpet and stuff like no. that. To say exactly the same with with, with Rachel. The, the interview that I talked about earlier on was with um, Des from Devil Driver, oh, uh, yeah. and it was um, it was 2018, and it was our last interview of the whole weekend, and we'd done about sort of 40, and it was late. It was quite late on um, um, because we had the lights. We didn't use the lights at all, but it was dark, so we'd actually. Toford brought some lights with him. We had these lights set up. Um, and I had managed to get through the whole weekend uh, having lost my mum just a few weeks before. So it had thrown everything into, yeah. into disarray. The funeral had been the Friday before. So the, Friday, the, the funeral was on August the 3rd. And a week later, I'm at Bloodstock doing all these interviews. So mum had died on, on July the 20th. And it was three weeks before. So... Yeah, and, and the bloodstock lot were just literally, listen, if you can't do it, you can't do it. And I'm like, no, no, I'll be there. And they were like, you know, no, seriously, you know. And when I saw them there, it's all massive big hugs. So sorry to hear about your mum and all that. And it's lovely. Really, they're just such lovely people. So I'd done the whole weekend, done all the interviews, managed to get through it all. I was happy, I was happy with every single interview that we'd done. And then we're just chatting to Des, and Des is, I don't know him, never never interviewed him before, but um, I'd read about him as part of my research and saw that he's pretty much, you know, used to be a wild child and he's now completely clean, he's vegan, he's, uh, he, do, he doesn't use any substances whatsoever, um, and he's just a really cool guy. And I went out and watched a bit of their set when they played and just smile on his face, you could just see how much he was enjoying it, and that's his natural high. So we got talking about that, and we were just chatting and talking. Can't remember m the, most of the content, because again, it was just a chat. Mm -hmm. And then we got talking about life and death, and, the, and, and he said, you know, about the reason he calmed down is because a lot of the people he used to party with weren't around anymore, and he mm -hmm. just lost quite recently that had been really close with and i just blurted out yeah i, I lost my mum three weeks ago yeah. just just because we were just chatting yeah and he oh man and he just sort of leaned over and he just hugged me and he just went i'm really really sorry to hear that and he sat back and he just sort of went yeah I, I, i'm really close to my mum as well he says you must be he says why he said i'm, I'm surprised you're here he says so yeah. he says how are you dealing with it how are you coping with it and i'm just like whoa hang on a minute he's started interviewing me yeah. so got through it and we sort of finished it off and it was great and he and and we finished the interview and he, he he gave me a hug again he said i'm really sorry to hear that and off he went and, and michelle was looking after him again and i said to michelle i just said um after after he'd gone off to, to do whatever i just said um i'm not I'm, I'm not really sure that one went too well i, said, I told him what you said and, and she said no he, he he said it was a really good interview he came over and said he'd really enjoyed the interview so he he, he certainly didn't have a problem with it so I was still a little bit, uh, so I went back round to say we were, we were packing up our gear. We had a bit of bad weather that year and Rachel brought us in a big golfing umbrella, but I, that was her husband's. So I took it round back to the production. I went in 
and she's like, are you all done now? I was like, yeah, she went, oh, well done. She said, that's really, really great that, you, that you've done that. And I was like, yeah, I said, I'm not, not too happy with that last one though. And she said, why? And I told her what I've just told you about how the conversation had gone. Yeah. So she said, she just sort of said, that's, that's why you're here. That's why we have you here because you have conversations with human beings, not with rock stars. And that's why we have you here. And Adam had come in halfway through the conversation and he was like, we were surprised to see you here. We're amazed to see you here because of just losing your mum and that. We, we were fully expecting you to not be here. And I was like, why would I not be here? I love this place, you know? And on, it was just the, the best moment I've had at Bloodstock. It was just like, wow. Yeah. And, and, that was, and, and that's to feel that valued and to have people like yourself and stuff like that. Becky, my girlfriend, she, she, she just, she, the first gig we went to is an evil scarecrow gig. Uh, in, Mil uh, in Milton Keynes at the Crawford Arms. Um, I'm standing there waiting for the band to come on, the uh, uh, um, uh, 12-foot wizard, 10-foot wizard we're, yeah. we're, we're reporting. And we're waiting to come on. And there's these two people standing in front of us and just sort of like turning around, looking up at me, turning around, looking up at me. And I'm just like, okay. And one of them went, do you do, do, you do interviews for Bloodstock? And I was like, yeah, my layer four is you. Thanks very much. Oh, I love your interviews. I've found so many new blood bands because of you. Thanks so much. And I'm just sort of like, okay, thanks. And I just turned to Becky and I went, I did not pay them to say that. Or <laughs> Over the years, someone at Hammerfest uh, in Patheli recognised my voice. They were talking to, oh, I love that. Back to me. They were the actual with their back to me. And they turned around, they went, GG Bus Radio. And I'm just like, yeah, went, oh, yeah. recognise your voice. And they carried on and having the conversation. I'm just like, what? And it's so mad that you that you're having an effect on people and you just don't see it. Because as I say, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a fan that happened to do a few interviews with a few bands and was lucky enough to get invited to go and do this and mm. uh, enjoy doing it. Who wouldn't enjoy going and talking to metal bands? It's, it's great. It's really good yeah. fun. Um, and I love doing it. Uh, so when, when that changes, I'll stop doing it. <laughs> but, ladies, but and gen ladies and gentlemen, I am consider myself a man of words. I'm fairly eloquent. But I even I can't I can't add anything to that. What a what a beautiful what a beautiful thing that, that that is that you know that someone comes up to you and says you know I've discovered bands because of suggestions you've made. The artists go you know oh I remember you from when I talked to you about something that during a period of, of someone's life when the when they're at the lowest and the toughest he goes home and he goes home to Bloodstock. I, I can't you know I can't. I can't underline that any further than, than, than Squat has done. Now, one of the things we do, which, which I'm so uh, you so passionate about on the show, is telling people that don't get told the tr what's going on. And here's and and now's the time to do that to Squatter. Squatter, you are what Judas Priest lovingly call a defender of the faith. Where Rob Halford mm -hmm. was talking about that, he was talking about people like yourself, uh, the unseen, maybe the head, but not uh, the unseen that they're doing. Not to, I used to say the Lord's work, we'll say Satan's work, doing Satan's work <laughs> of helping bands and, and, and working with festivals to get, the, to, get, to get these things to work. You are one of those people, and I'm here to tell you, for every single person that wants to tell you, thank you for doing that, Squatter. Thanks for doing that, because it's not easy. It's, it's hard. You, you've got to enjoy it. You have to, you have to love it. You have to love it to do it. And not a lot of people can do it or even have the, the, the compunction to, to do it. And so I'm here to tell you on behalf of the entire, I'll speak for the entire metal fraternity, if you will. Thank <laughs> you for that. Thank you for your service doing that. It's services to metal. Uh, we appreciate that. 
Um, Squads is one of the most unassuming gentlemen out there. He'll never say he's amazing, but I've seen him firsthand <laughs> doing squatter, being squatter, and I've also seen him being Paul as well. And he's a, th- a wonderful human being, and it's a real, it's a real honour having you on the show. Been trying, we're trying to figure out to get you on the show for a while, and um, you know, I, I suppose that's probably the best way to to, to end this whole thing. And um, what's What's the next things for you then, mate? Is it are we going to be doing? Are you going to do some more of the radio shows? Is it? There's going to be a frequency to that. What's going to happen? Um, I think so. Um, I I found that I was sort of winding down a little bit with the Bloodstock Radio podcast. I was finding them more and more difficult to do with the um, to, to a bit a little bit restrictive. So when we'd started back up to promote 2020, we'd gone to monthly rather than weekly because I was finding that I didn't have enough content to be to be putting into them. So they, what Bloodstock were asking me to do is they wanted to do some much bigger interviews. So they wanted to get the likes of Rob Halford and Devin Townsend and stuff like that on them. And then they would really push them as being big interviews and, and wanted to do them sort of like that. So I think what we'll probably do is it'll probably be round about January again, we'll start doing them. We'll just do them on a monthly basis. Uh, and the will, unfortunately, I think be a little less focused on the mountains of the masses um, in terms of, what we did before was that I, I, I used to um, commit to interviewing every single one of the winners. So what we used to do was, because what, what I wanted to do with that was, and, and, and what we did with that was that I wanted to, I wanted people to find the new blood bands um, through Bloodstock Radio and yes. put them in their class finders ahead of bands on the thing. Because I say, what people will do, you get your class finder and you look on the main stage and you say, right, well, I want to see them and them and them. Then you go to the second stage and you look at the gaps and you say, mm-hmm. right, while I'm not watching the main stage, who's on yeah, the second yeah, yeah. stage? You go like that. And then you go down to the third stage and whatever gaps you've got left. And then by the time you get to the fourth stage, then you're kind of like, well, you know, so the, the New Blood and the Jaeger are sort of, well, you know, you're, they're then looking in their gaps. What I wanted to do was I wanted to play every single band that had won Metal to the Masses, I wanted to play one of their songs. So I always used to ask them to give me a song that was, def- you know, the, the, the definitive the final- example of what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then do a, give them a short interview to give them that sort of media training-ish mm-hmm. to get them prepared for the festival and to talk to them and almost give them a pep talk about booking interviews and going and making the most of the day that they get in the press tent. And then so that people would be sort of like, oh, I quite have a look at them. So that when the Clash Finder comes out, They'll be looking at the new blood stage and saying, right, they're going in straight away. Yes. And then they'll maybe look upwards and look yeah. at the stage. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we're going to do. So I'm hoping to still try and do that as best I can, but mm. not 100% sure about that at the moment. I'll see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, certainly uh, we'll be back at, um, at the festival next year. We're going to try and do more out and about stuff. So we're going to try and go out in the arena and not just do band interviews. We did a little bit of that in 2019 because we were trying to do some footage for uh the 20th 20th anniversary yeah for the, the celebration of that yeah yeah go out into the campsite and we went into like the shisha tents and, mm. and the food stalls and to vip and stuff like that and we spoke to yeah. a few of the bands rather than rather than just the bands to try to get some content for that so we're looking at doing a little bit more of that um uh, next time as well so yeah, it's, a, it's 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 nice that we can say it's better to say it's it hasn't been cancelled. It's just been rescheduled. It's just yes. it will happen next year. It, we we you know it's, it's a very difficult time now for everybody, but we can look forward to that. We can look forward to eventually going home um, and eventually yeah. you know, seeing 
Judas Priest play that set that we expect them to play, which is just going to be amazing. And Devon to play that set that is maybe, yeah. some would say, maybe even going to be career-defining. I don't want to put any weight on Dev, but I'm going to say it should be the best yeah. set I've ever seen him play. Um, you know, and that's, that, that's the positive thing about music is that will get us through. We can listen to these bands now. We can get excited about them. We can start finding these younger bands and get prepared for, for next year. And I think that's, that's the most honest and, and, and intelligent way of seeing this year is that, yes, it's been challenging. We're not going to see live music in any sort of way, shape or form till the end of the year, beginning of next year. But let's look forward to next year because it will be fantastic. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly looking forward. To, I, listen, if I'm not working there, I'm, I'm going. It's as simple as that because the, the bill's yeah. too good. And, uh, and I haven't been home in a while. You know, I haven't been home in a while. Um, yeah. it's, it's been wonderful to sit with, with, with Paul or Squatter as, as everybody will know him um, ladies and gentlemen should we get him on the show again I think we will a little bit before Bloodstock <laughs> we can squeeze him in we can, we'll, we'll talk all about only, we're only allowed yet yeah, we'll only be allowed to talk about new up and coming local bands as well I want to do a whole thing about that because we could go for days with that we might even do yeah. a Zentric special um, on, 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 or something like that but yeah, ladies and gentlemen the, the wonderful squatter. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, cheers for having me, mate. It's been really, really good. And uh, yeah, sorry for everyone that it, took, that, it, that it lasted so long. I promise you. <laughs> Not at all. We'll do another one. So that was squatter there. It's what a just a super nice guy and super humble, as you you heard there. But you know, incredibly uh, important to the scene. One of the many, many people that are behind the scenes, probably. You know, you, you you don't see these people sometimes at all. So these people, are, like we talked about, are literally buried in, in the press tent because they're working. These people are behind the scenes and they're not on the posters. They're not they're not out there. They're not the face of what's going on because the, the, the crew, the people that are making the show happen, that are helping the show exist, festivals, on, on all levels and scales, local venues and everything in between, this industry is is ran by people, by human beings that have spent years within this industry to get to where they are. They, you know, and we're at risk of losing losing this industry, this industry, uh, uh, the business of music, and music is a, a live form and as an experience. We're very much in danger of losing that. Soon, I'll be talking to some more people about the what we can do and, and how we move forward. As it is right now, it's uncertain. And that's the probably the, the darkest element of all, is that it's we're, we're uncertain about what, what's going to happen. But one thing will always remain true, and that will be you must support your local scene, you must support your local music and support your local venues, and by extension, support the things you love by, you know, following them and, 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 and uh, kind of working with them online and uh, integrating with them online and doing stuff with them and following them and liking and all that good stuff that works for, for, for them. And then also, you know, buying merch, pre-buying tickets, you know, if you, uh, local venues, we've talked about this at length, you know, they, their pre-sales are incredibly important. It's the same way for a festival, same way for anything on any scale, same way for a band, you know, in order to get through this time, support them. If you like them, buy their T-shirt, buy their CD. Really? Are we talking about telling people if they like something to buy and support it? But it seems as though we are. If anybody's getting anything from these shows where I talk to people behind the scenes, it's that. Those, there, there's, there's a whole community, there's a whole lifeblood 
behind the scenes that we're not seeing that must be supported that we will lose will affect people's lives and jobs people are doing this their whole lives suddenly get told that they can't do that there's no you know they can't just do something else we will lose this very important thing there is music and live music and venues and festivals and so i don't want to end on on a, on a down note i don't think that's a down note i think it's an incredibly positive one that there is something you can do and i hope you've enjoyed the this 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 show and, and speaking to squatter check out the links that i'll put there to bloodstock radio uh, and, and squatter and what have you but check out all your local radio stations that are playing metal and local smaller venues and local smaller festivals you know the likes of badger fest and 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 things like that the the uh, going on uh, the under the um, the massive umbrella of these larger festivals like bloodstock and download and what have you they all need your support now is the time to to be out there uh metaphorically speaking and support these places and support these endeavors it will go away if we don't do this and i hope that like i say these podcasts show you the face of that entire community to be behind there and just how important they are as well and the work that they do as always thanks for listening to the show and i will see you at the show next.